Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Three hours of the very best entitled parent stories. Starting with this crazy Karen who goes mental in a McDonald's. Should I tell my school about my mum? My mum and I got into a verbal fight yesterday because she was being rude to McDonald's workers Cussing at them talking about them to their faces and just being a karen because we had to wait 10 minutes for our food I was upset at her because one it was embarrassing and two She was being so horrible to the workers that really couldn't help the wait in the car She was saying stuff like i'm gonna call McDonald's and complain and how she would never let any of my family eat there to boycott them to which I responded Yeah, because our 959 missing would really affect their business I said this in a mocking tone because she was being ridiculous But she acted by hitting me scratching me and pulling my hair after she left massive red welts on my face I said I was going to tell my dad who is currently abroad She said if I told my dad or my brother and didn't learn to shut the frick up She'd pull me out of one of my hobbies and never let me do it again. So final clarification I know this is strange, but I still love my mum. I don't want her to get taken away from me I just want her to get help The reason I made this post is because I know if I tell my school They will tell cps or the british version of that But I don't know how else I can convince her to get help Oh man, those are the sort of stories you just hate to see guys The fact that this karen goes mental in a mcdonald's is one thing and that's on her own accord And I feel bad for the employees there, but then for her daughter to suffer that Physical abuse is just incredible and look op. I know you said that you still love your mother and I expect that I really do But ultimately if a parent is doing that to their child, then they do not deserve to look after that child simple enough Let's carry on moving on to our next entitled people story. I've upgraded to first class background airline captain commuted to work purchased a full fare first class ticket to get there I lived in atlanta at the time domiciled in houston and commuted now normally you could get a jump seat in the cockpit but on this auspicious day that was already taken pass riding wasn't an option because there were no seats in coach and only one in first pass riders can be bumped for fair paying passengers and i needed to get to work so i plunked down my credit card and i bought the last seat in first boarding has occurred and i'm peacefully in my seat waiting for pushback out of nowhere an entitled woman comes along You are sitting in my seat. You'll need to move right now. I do check my boarding pass and then say, nope. This is my seat. Not gonna happen. Sorry. But you're an employee and you're sitting in my seat. Move now. May I see your boarding pass? Clearly there's been some mistake. You may not see my boarding pass. I showed that when I boarded. I've upgraded to first class. Now move. You'll need to resolve this with the flight crew. I'm a passenger. This entire woman stomps off, resembling an irritated Dolores Umbridge, and returns with the flight attendant. Good morning, Captain. May I see your boarding pass? She asks. Sure thing. And I show my boarding pass. Mom, that's his seat. He paid for it. Well, then throw him off, dear. I've upgraded to first class, and that is now my seat. I'll need to see your boarding pass, Mom. 
You will not. I showed it when I boarded. I've upgraded to first class. How did you upgrade to first class? I upgraded to first class. Look, I'm more important than an employee. Now get him out of my seat. Someone has called the cockpit by this point, and the captain has left the flight deck to come and deal with this. Mom, I'm Captain Wallaby, not his real name. I've just spoken with the gate agent. We certainly apologize for this awkward situation. The agent has corrected your paperwork and has a voucher for future travel for you as well. Please go and fetch your new boarding pass and your voucher and we'll be on our way. The entitled woman departs up the jetway with a triumphant smile on her face. The captain turns to the flight attendant and says, prepare the doors for departure. The doors close. The captain returns to the cockpit and as we push back from the gate, I can see the entitled woman pounding on the glass next to the jetway. It was a nice ride to Houston. The coffee was wonderful. Uh, right then. I'm not gonna lie. I did not expect that ending. Uh, immediately, my thoughts are, this sounds a little bit too good to be true. I mean, not gonna lie. It could be fake. Doesn't change the fact that I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Even if it's fictitious, I've loved every second of that, especially the ending. Ridiculous, but hey, comment down below, guys. What do you think? Real or not, I want to know your thoughts. I mean, let's be honest, right? It does seem a little bit farcical that this happened and it probably does go against some form of law, airline law. I don't know exactly, but I presume you can't. You know what I'm saying this? I think that you can right if the pilot is saying if the captain is saying i don't want this woman on my flight it's his choice isn't it it's their choice it's his plane he's the one that's you know putting everyone in a very dangerous situation a life-threatening situation not threatening but you get what i mean everyone's lives on that plane are in the captain's hands therefore legally it probably is his decision who flies i mean again i don't know this so i'm just kind of you know saying what i think guesstimating any one of you that do knows this or works on a plane please do get involved in the comments down below clearly i don't know myself so therefore he probably was within his rights to do this and maybe this is not the first time this has happened and by this point throughout the years of dealing with entitled women like this he's just like you know what i'm done i'm gonna i'm gonna do this for the memes and i want to see her waving and i want to see her smashing the glass as we're pulling away and you know what i'm gonna do just gonna give her a cheeky little wink as i take off into the sunny sky. Mama Karen wants entitled brat to ring the bell because she deserves it. For those of you unfamiliar with a cancer ward or clinic where chemo is administered, and I pray you always will be, there is a little brass bell. This bell is a symbol of hope for all. It marks the end of treatments and the ringing in of the new chapter, hopefully cancer free. For me, I vomited right before I rang the bell because the anxiety of the unknown was almost as bad as chemo itself but that's another story. Today, it was Heather's real name. She gave me permission turn to ring the bell. Heather is a really lovely lady. She's 58 with stage two ovarian cancer. She had a hysterectomy followed by chemo. Heather's diagnosis is great, but she's had it rough. During the hysterectomy, she almost bled out due to undiagnosed complications. This left her hospitalized for over three weeks, delaying her treatment by over a month and left her fearing the worst. Heather really is the most lovely woman you could meet. She's the grandma everyone wants to have, but is kind of glad they don't. She's funny and loving, but can give you a look that makes you back away like you're staring down a hungry grizzly. Everyone that interacts with Heather loves her. And honestly, the woman saved my sanity on more than one occasion during my treatments. Another thing that may differ from ward to ward is the chemo room. Patients in ours sit in a little oval room that's like a giant lounge with comfy chairs and a little TV. 
There are drinks and biscuits off to one side and room enough for 10 patients and up to two visitors As I was leaving my appointment I saw heather's daughter who informed me today was the day So I decided to stick around to see her ring the bell and read it. I'm so glad I did a couple of weeks ago A new patient joined the group. We will call him sam Sam seems like a relatively nice older gentleman with an absolutely awful excuse of a daughter and grandchild In the limited interactions i've had with these two entitled brats I've seen the daughter stealing biscuits off people currently hooked up to chemo machines And the mother screaming at nurses for reprimanding the child when she attempted to rip the cannulas out of a patient's arm Wow genuinely no idea why they've not banned the mega monster and her little braticus Like I said today was heather's turn though to ring the bell Unlike some places where the bell is on the wall Our unit has a little old-fashioned wooden brass bell that the nurses keep behind the desk 90% of the time today Just as heather was getting ready to hopefully walk out for the final time The nurse brought the bell over to the little side table At first, the little fallen angel didn't notice the bell. She was too busy attempting to crush the souls of the elderly and infirmed by playing her switch. Not loud enough to be kicked out, but just loud enough to be annoying as all holy hellfire. But at least she was distracted. Once Heather was ready, the nurse stood by the little side table and made a short speech about Heather and her final day of the journey. Just as the speech was wrapping up, the tiny terror shot out of nowhere, almost knocking Heather to the ground. She reached up and grabbed the bell now heather being the no-nonsense badass granny She is took the bell out of baby beals bub's hands and firmly but gently said no, honey That isn't for you. It's not a toy My god did that unleash some kind of mythological demon because the screech that child released at being told no Was loud enough to shatter glass. She lunged at heather trying to grab the bell from her hand while mother thinks she's superior stood up screaming you can't do that she's an innocent child what kind of disgusting woman takes a toy from an innocent child you're a b word c word w word etc give her back the bell you don't need it she deserves it more it was a lot it wasn't even a conversation i'm pretty sure she just growled it all in one breath The harpy screeches went on for about 30 seconds of just incomprehensible nonsense Bertha Big Mac waddled her way over to Heather to take the bell from her But Heather just did not have time for her shiz Heather's got a bell to ring and a life to live So as the rampaging rhino gets up to Heather, Heather goes heathen on her She looks this entitled mama dead in the eye and says Your father must have been, insert the name of a certain World War II German political leader, in a past life to be lumped with such a sorry excuse for a daughter. Well, this took everyone by surprise as there was a brief pause before Heather unleashed everything she'd been dying to say to this Cerberus. Do you have any idea how exhausting it is to finish a round of treatment with you and your obnoxious brat around making everyone's lives miserable? I know God's testing us, but my God, we already have cancer. Now he's saddling us with you too? You're disgusting. You're entitled, you're selfish, you're poorly behaved, and your child is just as awful as you are. And I hate saying that about an innocent child, but my God, she's awful. I've never hated a child until I met yours, but she is really, really awful. She's not been kicked out of school. Did I mention the kid is 10 years old? Because the teachers are targeting her. She's been kicked out of school because she's an entitled bully, just like her entitled mother. And if you want any hope of her having a decent life, you'd become a decent parent and correct some of her behavior. But oh no, that would require correcting yours, you abominable excuse for a human being. It was glorious, awful, 
awkward and silence. Betty Big Mouth had suddenly been struck dumb. The tantruming terror was gaping like a fish out of water. And then there was Sam. Sam broke the silence when he started laughing, like deep belly, full bodied laughter. Mama Hodai looked horrified, angry, mystified, and humiliated as her father laughed hysterically. To be fair, not sure any of us knew how to react. After what felt like an hour, but was likely about a minute, Sam stopped laughing and told his daughter and granddaughter, you can sit down and shut up or go wait in the car. He then told Heather to go ahead and ring the bell. The slain beast and her beastette slinked back to their seats where they both sat shell-shocked while Heather rang the bell. We clapped. Some of the cheap seats clapped a little too enthusiastically. Then Heather, her daughter, and I sauntered out of the room. Heather and I parted ways at the hospital entrance, and I wished her the world of luck, but I've got a feeling she won't need it. If you can slay two Karens in one 90-second rant, cancer is nothing. I love Heather, but my God, I'm so glad she isn't my grandma. I mean, to be honest, the only part about the story which I don't really agree with OP on is the fact that you're saying that you don't want Heather to be your grandma. Are you joking? She sounds unbelievable. I get what you're kind of saying slightly, I will say. You think that maybe she's a little bit too just like stern and sticks up for herself too much perhaps to the detriment of you as her granddaughter, maybe? You wanna have a bit more fun? I don't know. I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt here. To be honest, she just sounds badass, as you said. Now, as for these entitled people, the fact that their own dad, granddad, is laughing at them for a full minute is just mental. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I do not understand how one family can contain two sets of people that are just so different. You got Sam, absolute legend, who just laughs at his own entitled family members. Then you got as you said, the beast and the beastettes. They were just disgusting individuals. I don't get it. I mean, seriously, ringing that bell after being told you are now cancer-free must be one of the most amazing moments in someone's life. And you're trying to take that away from them. It's nuts. But hey, fair play to Heather, not just for beating cancer, but for also beating entitled people. Now for our next entitled parent story. Entitled stepmonster got herself banned from my wedding. I am a 28 year old man and my stepmother who is 49 is a wannabe party planner. She's taken it upon herself to plan and host every party and holiday my dad's family has thrown since she married him. I never loved those occasions growing up. She's controlling and gets upset if people complain about anything, but humored her for my dad's sake. According to him, this helps her feel included. I'm getting married to my fiance Jane in July. We got engaged in early 2021, but Jane ended up getting pregnant a couple of months after that. And we decided to postpone the wedding to focus on our son for a while. So we've had a long engagement. My stepmother has tried to hijack our wedding plans from day one, complaining, contacting our planner, showing up unannounced to Jane's dress appointments and more. And we've repeatedly asked her to stop. Now dad wants us to humor her again, but she's clearly resentful of the fact that she's not hosting the wedding or being labeled mother of the groom in invitations. Besides our baby boy, we also have Luke, who is a four-year-old, Jane's paternal half-brother. She got custody of him a few months into our relationship after his parents died. I ended up moving in with them during the pandemic and have been in Luke's life since he was a baby. He doesn't call me dad and refers to us as his sister and his OP, but we love him like a son. Stepmother though, hates Luke. Okay, sorry to interrupt. She hates a four-year-old child, crazy. Anyway, she accuses Jane of baby trapping her way into the family. That accusation only got worse after our son was born. My dad gets along with Jane and adores the kids, but stepmother demands him to refuse babysitting Luke 
so we don't leave the kids with them often. Instead, Jane's brother and sister-in-law usually watch the kids for us, as their children are close to ours in age. We had a thing last Sunday, and my brother-in-law was out of town with his family. Jane's other siblings live in different cities, as well as my mum and sister. My dad agreed to babysit at our place and we left. We came back to find both kids crying, stepmother screaming, and dad weakly trying to calm everyone down. Apparently, Luke had told stepmother that both he and our son were going to be our ring bearers, and she went ballistic, at a four-year-old that is. She screamed that she wasn't going to allow that because he wasn't family. She then unfortunately got physical when he started crying. His lip is still split. She'd never gotten to this point before. Oh my. We immediately banned her from our house and from our wedding. Dad is fuming and has said he's not going without her. He's also convinced half of his side of the family, by severely downplaying what stepmother did, to boycott the wedding as well. This includes my stepbrother, who fully agrees with his mother no matter how many times I try to tell him the truth. Me and Jane are refusing to budge, but many of my cousins, who aren't coming anymore, are asking us to reconsider. Pretty much all of Jane's family agrees with us, but one of her aunts has suggested that maybe stepmother is acting out because she doesn't feel welcomed by my family. I've honestly had it with my family enabling her behavior. I love my dad and really want him at my wedding, but I'm more than willing to go no contact if it means protecting my family. Now guys, the good news is that there is an update to this post, so we will find out what happens next. However, I do have to say just off the rip, The fact that some people in your family are defending your stepmother because she might feel left out of the family. That's a reason why she's abusing a four-year-old. Like, what is going on there? Seriously, what's going on? And look, maybe it's just a split lip and that's not that deep. No, sorry, I disagree. A four-year-old has been physically hurt and people are defending her. What is she doing? Now, that initial post was written five days ago, but just five hours ago, we got the following updates. I'll start off by saying that me and Jane are going no contact with my dad and stepmom. We haven't really spoken to either of them since the incident, and I don't plan on being the one to reach out. Any communication between us is being handled by my younger sister. She's completely on our side, but will remain in low contact for the time being. I've decided to adopt Jane's way of dealing with people she cares about. Forgive what's apologized for, but never forget. Basically, if dad or my stepmom ever truly understand what they did wrong and sincerely apologize, we are willing to forgive them, even if begrudgingly so, but we will never ignore or let them forget what they did to our family. And for the time being, neither of them will be allowed near Luke, our baby, and any other kids we may have in the future, even if we do forgive them. Well, I for one completely agree with all of that, and I'm happy to hear it. As for the rest of my family, I read a lot of comments suggesting that I post pictures of Luke's face, as well as the nanny cam footage. I'm not very active on social media, but even if I was, I'm not comfortable exposing my injured preschooler like that, especially given that nothing on the internet ever truly goes away. I also decided not to share the pictures with my family unless truly necessary. I should probably mention that while my family adores my dad, most of them aren't very fond of my stepmom. She had two failed marriages prior to meeting my father, the first of which resulted in my stepbrother, and he cheated on his then girlfriend to be with her. My family loved that girlfriend and disliked my stepmom right away. Not only has she been controlling and manipulative since the beginning, she's also tried to force her way into the family matriarch role by any means possible. Taking over planning duties for every family event was her favorite way of doing it because of all the attention and compliments that come with it. 
The main reason why I hated these parties growing up was because she'd always find a way to make everything about her including Christmas and mine and my sister's birthdays. The rest of the family felt neutral about it, but they never liked her. With Luke, it was different. Most of my relatives didn't meet him until COVID restrictions got looser, and by then he was two years old. He's a bright and genuinely lovable kid, and there weren't really any other small children in the family, so everyone immediately started cooing over him. The way I see it, my stepmom got upset that Jane and Luke were accepted by my family so easily compared to her experience. And that is why she resents them both. But I can't confirm that. She was also mad that, aside from not being the planner, she would have absolutely no involvement in the wedding party. She tried to pressure us into letting her officiate. One of Jane's best friends was offered that role a year ago, making stepbrother my best man. He wasn't interested and I'd already got on my best friend or asking her sister's daughter to be our flower girl. But we'd promised Jane's three-year-old niece. Also, her sister's daughter is 15 and doesn't know us. Sorry, that is so weird. Imagine just a random 15-year-old girl being like, uh, yeah, let me just carry these flowers. Sorry, just got a funny image in my head. Anyway, she also tried to convince us to let my dad walk Jane down the aisle since her father's gone. But her eldest brother, the brother-in-law I mentioned in the first post, had already been enlisted. Okay, that one is crazy. My stepmom was disappointed that my family wasn't as involved in the wedding as Jane's and kept making comments about how that would never happen if we put me in charge. All of that being said, there is nothing that can excuse being that awful to a child, especially if it really is the petty jealousy that I suspect. Because I haven't spoken with my father, my sister has been keeping me updated on what he's been up to. As I found out through her, the story my dad and stepmom told the rest of the family completely erases Luke's injury and the abuse charges. Oh yeah, guys, OP left a really small edit on the first post saying that they actually were going to press charges on the stepmom for what she did to Luke, which is completely fair. It insinuates that me and Jane banned them because we got annoyed with my stepmom and decided to take it out on my dad as well. Because most people already dislike my stepmom, explaining what actually happened that night wasn't hard. And most of the relatives that I actually wanted at the wedding have apologized and are now berating my dad as well. The people that didn't believe us, as well as those saying we overreacted, have been told they are not welcome in our home anymore. Those are mostly people from my dad's generation, so I can't say I'm surprised. But the realization that they're so biased that they're willing to protect a woman they hate after she hurt a child just to make my dad happy has reassured me that I don't need any of them in my life. My stepbrother is still in denial. He refuses to believe his mother could hurt a child, even with all the evidence we have. I have to admit, I understand. I love my mum too, but that doesn't mean I'd excuse his obliviousness. So he's banned too. It sucks because we were close growing up, but I don't regret it. Besides, Jane has three other siblings besides Luke, the older brother-in-law, a twin brother, and a younger sister, and I'm closer to them than I ever was with him. Speaking of Jane's family, they're all furious over what happened and have been extremely supportive of us. Jane's maternal family basically adopted Luke after she got custody of him and have called frequently to make sure he's okay. We did manage to save some money with everybody we uninvited and have decided to use it to help Jane's cousin. She lives in a different country and was previously unable to come to the wedding, so we're paying for her plane ticket. That is awesome. Luke has gotten much better and is almost completely back to being the sunny child he's always been. 
The split lip was shallow. It's healing slowly, but didn't require any stitches. We sat him down a few days ago and explained that my dad and step monster wouldn't be around anymore. He really liked my dad, but understands that he and stepmom are attached at the hip. He's clearly scared of her, but we're doing our best to make him feel safe. That is so sad that a four-year-old has that much terror in their lives at that age. Wow. Me and Jane have reassured him that he is family. We love him and no one will ever change that. I'm not too worried about my dad or stepmom trying to show up at the wedding, but we've alerted the venue and given them pictures just in case they try anything. Better safe than sorry. Some people brought attention to the fact that my stepmom is a hypocrite for saying Luke isn't family. I agree, for obvious reasons. Her main excuse for pretty much everything she does is that she doesn't feel like my family welcomes her. Dad has been guilting me to take part in everything she plans by reminding us of that for as long as I can remember. The way he continues to make excuses for her without realizing this is basically a case of the pot calling the kettle black, except Luke actually is family. This is what has made me accept that while I will always love my dad, it's not healthy or safe for me and my family to be around him anymore. It hurts to know that my son won't have his only remaining bio-grandfather in his life, but he has two amazing step-grandpas to make up for it. For now, I'm sad but satisfied with how things have turned out. I don't like to complain about my life. It's a mess, but a beautiful one. I love my fiance, I love my kids, and I'm lucky enough to love my job. We're happy, and I'm not letting anyone ruin that. And there we go. Great story. Really enjoyed that one. You know what? I really like the fact that throughout this, you kept almost reminding us the reason as to why you were treating your dad in the same way you were treating your stepmom, alienating him from the family. Well, not alienating him, but you know what I mean. Going no contact. When he, to be fair, himself wasn't doing anything particularly badly but yeah you just summed it up at the end right there the fact that he is enabling your stepmom's disgusting behavior if anything is just as bad as what your stepmom is doing right now op has said that they hope that this is the last update on the story but they'll keep us posted it's one of those ones i really really hope that they do not show up at your wedding but if they do wow it would make for some reddit posts Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. They called me a baby factory, so now they'll never see me again. I want to say first, I had a difficult childhood, but not because of them. I was a happy kid who had friends and was kind of adjusted, but we were poor. We jumped across the US about twice, and my siblings and father were all disabled in different ways. My youngest sibling and dad were hard of hearing, and my youngest sister had brain and back injuries due to Chiari malformation. Look it up, it's actually a very interesting disease. Ah, it's a condition where the lower part of the brain pushes down into the spinal canal. Well, I must say that sounds truly terrible. But when things started really changing was when I was in high school, around my junior year of school. I met a dude and we were best friends, then we dated. 
Newsflash, he was a terrible person. It ended in me and my sister getting a restraining order against him and both my siblings seeing and hearing things about me they should never have been exposed to. I graduated high school even though I probably shouldn't have with my grades. I'm pretty sure my teachers just pitied me. And then after like a month, I got diagnosed with ADHD, anxiety and depression. Go figure, who could have guessed? I get on Adderall and it works great. For one day then it devolved into me having all day panic attacks vivid and extreme hallucinations massive problems with an eating disorder and an inability to control any emotion it led me to backhanding my youngest sibling over a dispute involving the dishwasher that i still to this day would do anything to reverse if i could i don't remember that three months or so period i blocked out most of the memories because they were so mentally and emotionally taxing that just thinking about that makes me depressed But at the time, I really thought that my parents were doing everything they could to help me through that time. They could have done more, but I reasoned they were working and didn't have all the time in the world to baby me, so I should handle this myself. Eventually, all by myself, I decided to go cold turkey and went through withdrawals which were almost as hellish as the actual meds themselves. Looking back now, I realized that the only way my parents could have been more hands off were if they'd packed their bags and moved out. They didn't talk to me about anything. They didn't help me keep track of symptoms. When I attacked my siblings, they didn't protect them from me or me from myself. Now as a 22 year old on new meds, my doctor just within the last month looked at my old records and was appalled because they started me as an 18 year old who was very new to meds and sensitive to them at a dose for grown adults well into their Adderall usage. She told me they started me off at around 25 milligrams when she normally prescribes around five to 10 for new users. So they didn't advocate for me at all during this mentally traumatic time immediately after being traumatized for almost a year. They took me to a therapist who noticed I was writing a story with an obvious self insert and very influenced storylines from my day to day life. When she asked to see my drawings and everything, the next time my mother pulled me from therapy, saying something I still remember to this day. I didn't send you here so she could ask you about your stories. I sent you here so she can talk about how your ex messed you up. She's not doing this fast enough. Well, come the end of summer, and even though I was still struggling with leaving the house just for a Walmart trip, they sent me to school for college across the state and basically wiped their hands clean of me. I went into survival mode. I believed my parents were right and I needed this, so I did my best to fake it till I made it. I shouldn't have been there, but in the long run, it was what saved me. My friends I met there are some of the people who I've chosen as family, and I met my current fiance while there through friends. Funnily enough, I wasn't allowed off campus. Even though my parents lived about two and a half hours away and wouldn't have known otherwise, it took convincing from one of my friends to go about two hours in another direction, and that's where I met my fiance. My parents really don't like Connor, but they did like the free labor he did for them and how mature he was to keep me in line for them. Now they could pawn off the driving around and emotions on him because they never bothered to teach me how to drive or get a job or regulate my emotions. Connor could do all of that quite well though, so they let him teach it to me. But whenever the idea of him got brought up as my boyfriend, they would clam up. They did not want me to date anyone, not after my ex. I thought it was them just worrying about me after a traumatic period and I was grateful for it. Connor helped us move like five times. He did free things for my parents all the time and he was nothing but respectful the entire time he's known them. 
But eventually they moved to the same city I was going to college in and I was going through a hard patch again. COVID had hit at the end of my freshman year and now they were living here in my college town and I started half online school for my sophomore year. Living with my parents again was hell. I was used to at this point living in a dorm and I wanted to come and go as I pleased. My friends got me rides and I fought and fought and fought to get a job until one day I applied anyways and started working at a McDonald's. I was doing terribly in school. I didn't want to be in it anymore. Distance learning was difficult for me and they weren't doing anything to help me. I was slowly becoming suicidal again and I wanted nothing more than to find my own place. During this time, my dad was constantly working overtime. And one day when I was probably at my lowest, he made a joke that he was picking up all the overtime just to get away from you. I still remember it clear as day. I was mentally declining and becoming more and more erratic as time passes because I was spiraling again. And they just sat by and watched it happen while continuously judging me, making backhanded comments as I did. All the way up to this point, I was not known for fashion or hygiene. I was constantly self-conscious and didn't have control of my ADHD, so I was never one to doll myself up. But me and Connor were going to go on a date, so I grabbed my prettiest dress, some tights, and my favorite flats, and did my hair all nice, and I even tried makeup. I felt so pretty, and Connor was showering me with texts filled with compliments as he was on his way to pick me up. My mum and siblings got there first. My mum took one look at me and told me to go change. She burst out laughing and was hysterical over my outfits. She couldn't calm down. And the reason she was laughing is because I'm a big chested girl and I'd gained weight as of recently because my eating disorder was flipping from anorexia to binge eating. None of my clothes fit me. I was in tears and I just put on my normal jeans and hoodie in almost 80 degree weather and I ran to Connor's car in tears. They kept trying to call me back into the house, but I just had to drive off without speaking to them. I didn't stay the night at their house for almost two days. Mum spent that first night texting me that I was overreacting and that none of the clothes fit me. And yes, she could have been nicer, but honestly, I need to be realistic about my fashion if I'm going to attempt it. If you couldn't tell by this point, my mum had picked out almost every piece of clothing I owned. And because I wasn't anorexic anymore, she was very upset whenever I showed skin. Day-to-day life was getting worse by the day, but eventually I opened commissions. I posted it on Facebook for family and nobody replied, but my estranged grandmother on my mum's side asking for an insanely difficult piece. I draw mostly pretty women in specific poses with pens or pencils, and that's it especially back then. But she asked for a landscape drawing of her childhood home and a realistic watercolor drawing that she didn't have any reference of and hadn't seen since she was a kid. It was easily worth close to 150 bucks, maybe more because I'm terrible with commission prices. But I offered it for 60 bucks. My mother asked if I was serious. I told her that one, I disliked this woman to the point of purposefully not contacting her for almost a decade at that point. And two, this was so far out of my comfort zone that I would have to learn new skills just to make it. And it's more than half off. Then my dad texted me asking if I was serious. It devolved into a peeing contest on who can be colder and how fast I could move out. I wasn't pleasant. I'll be the first to admit that I was mentally unstable and lashing out at everyone. But I was also still a child recovering from the toll of drugs that I was overprescribed and their emotional indifference during a freaking pandemic. I emergency moved in with my fiance, then boyfriend and our friend who introduced us and I didn't speak to them for a week. This is the beginning of their pattern that they pull literally to this day 
regardless of the situation. They finally texted me back after about a week, week and a half and acted as if nothing had happened. They hadn't kicked me out. I hadn't fought with them for days at that point and we hadn't exchanged some of the meanest glances and short phrases of our lives to each other. They wanted to talk about the football game and trivial things in their lives. I didn't know what else to do. It was my family and they were giving me the pass to be let back in after I'd mentally prepared myself to be shunned forever at this point. Of course, I took the olive branch. Maybe we'd speak about this in the future and laugh at how stuck up we'd been. It could all change for the better, maybe. Me and my fiance lived there for a year or so before we contemplated moving to the town we'd met in and he grew up in. His whole family was there and our current apartment was crawling with drug dealers, people stalking us for his old car and people taking poops in the hallway. Sounds lovely. It was only an idea at that point, nothing concrete. But when I floated the idea to my dad one day when he was driving me home, he went on a rant about how I would become a baby factory for Connor if I moved away from my support system and his family would turn me into their pawn because I was frankly too mentally weak of a person to not be swayed by them. This is your own father saying this to you. Wow. He went on for a long time and dumped a lot of info and at random talked about how he kind of regretted having me and my siblings because he had us so young and he regrets moving across the country like we did because of money problems. I asked him if he just told us that he regrets having us and living in this state and he went, I did not just say that. Don't put words in my mouth. I went into my apartment and sobbed for a good few hours. Connor was fuming, but was optimistic because at least he was talking. We both wrote off the bad parts and tried to move forward, hoping that this meant that he'd be open to talking more often in the future. We moved to my fiance's old home and things were fine for a while. The longer I didn't live next to my family, the more I realized that I mentally couldn't handle them anymore. They'd been so mean and gaslighting. Slowly but surely, I was feeding my parents an info diet and I was placing my boundaries. There were a lot of mean-spirited comments thrown my way They used Connor for more labor during this time than keeping him at arm's length and refusing to acknowledge that we were serious and looking to move in together. Nothing of significance happened for about a year and a half until within the last year. So it's 2022 now and me and Connor have lived together for most of the three or so years we've been together. We're living in our own home. I'm working two jobs and we're both happy. Stressed, but happy. Mum texts in our group chat that she wants me to give up my jobs and move back to their town to become a mailman like my dad. She swears that it's a government job with government pay and benefits and it's the best I can do as a college dropout who's working two jobs. I replied back that I was making almost $1,300 a paycheck with both jobs and I just moved into my house and that the town she lived in was absolutely terrible. Remember my old apartments? That's all that's available there. And I wasn't keen on moving back now that I lived in a three bed house that's completely quiet and all my own. Well, she responds by calling me four times in one day, spam texted the group chat and spams my DMs, sending Connor multiple texts and then calling me again. I spent two days ignoring her before I finally replied. I answered her calls and she spent almost the entire time during a 15 minute call that I put on speakerphone for Connor to listen to quietly, trying to manipulate me by calling me again, a college dropout and telling me that I'm not happy there. I'm so far away from family and there's no point in living there, especially since my jobs were working me to death and they had nowhere near the benefits that this mail carrier job has as a government job. I didn't have the hearts or the verbal space to tell her that the US Postal Service is in fact not a government identity. 
it was privately owned. I did though tell her that all of those benefits I wouldn't need until I was 26 anyway. I had all of the supposed benefits from my dad also having the same job. She though glossed over that and talked over me to try and explain how miserable I was in that town. I told her I had to go and I hung up. Thanksgiving comes. My entire extended aunts and uncles on my dad's side come and stay with us. Things are looking good and I'm having fun with my family for once. Then I overheard my mum whispering to my uncle that her entire personality is just Connor. She's got no semblance of self anymore and she even moved away to just become Connor's girl. My uncle didn't react or say anything, but I had to hide away to compose myself because I almost went nuclear and lost my mind. Okay, another time skip and now we're in the present and getting closer to the end of our story. Connor proposed to me the day before Christmas Eve, surrounded by his incredibly loving family by putting my ring in my stocking and it was beautiful. The first person I called was my best friend and then the second was my mother. It was close to 1am around this time and I got her on the phone. I told her I knew it was late, but I was engaged. She told me though, in no uncertain terms. Honey, that's amazing, but... Don't text in the family group chat or anything because your dad's asleep and he has to get up at 5 a.m. Congrats, I'm going back to bed. Neither of them contacted me about my engagement for almost a week until I went back for their Christmas. I went with my best friend and the entire time my family talked down to me. They misremembered my size and instead of apologizing, they insisted that I didn't know my size and that I was indeed an XXL. I'm a medium to large. And they started the night off by mum mentioning my engagements only once. It started off with my mum suddenly in the middle of things going good and everyone laughing. She starts cackling and goes, Oh, your dad and his friend had the funniest thing to say about your engagement. Dad, show her the text. Dad just smiles and he starts giggling too. My siblings laugh along with them. Dad says, Oh, Amir just thought it was nuts that you were engaged because you're so young. I asked to see the text. Maybe I misunderstood him. There had to be something funny based on their reactions because that was very much not funny at all, especially when I had my best friend sitting right there, listening. If anything, that was embarrassing. I read the text and it goes something like this. Dad's friend says, Dude, she's engaged? That's nuts. She's too young and she's going into this way too quickly. Dad replies, I know. I'm upset and struggling right now because my kids are all forcing themselves to grow up when they aren't ready to. And it's hard to stand by and watch them crash and burn like they inevitably will and do nothing about it. I just smiled because while they all laughed and giggled about how funny that was, I was struggling to not burst into tears and scream at them. My friend pulled me aside and asked multiple times if we should leave. At the time, I was using their car. But I told her, no, I was going to play nice until I could give it back. And then once it was in their hands again, I was going to go no contact. Connor was supposed to come down and see them and spend Christmas with them, but he couldn't face them knowing that this is what they willingly showed us, especially after Thanksgiving. After this, I bought a car, my first car that's all mine, and I got their car back to them just last week. I'm putting my life together. I'm learning how to do the beginning of adult things well past when I should have. I learned to drive, pay bills, budget and spend, and how to exist all from my fiance. I had to forcibly teach myself how to manage my own mental health with the help of my fiance and friends. I'm done making up excuses as to why I need them in my life. I don't want to deal with the body shaming, the classist behavior, the looking down on Connor for no reason. I can't handle it anymore. 
I called my uncle, the one from Thanksgiving, and explained to him my decisions, and he immediately told me he supports me and that my parents don't know how to treat us like adults, that I'm not a screw-up, and that was the first time in my life that I realized my parents had conditioned me into thinking I was, in fact, a screw-up. So, mum or dad, or anyone in the family, if you find this, these are the reasons why I blocked everyone's numbers and deleted Messenger why me and Connor have our statements and info ready for you when you send a welfare check to tell them to leave us alone. I'm going to get married and you won't be there. I won't let you be there. If I have a child, you won't see them. I don't care how much you cry and make me feel like I did something wrong. I am not a bad person for being screwed up and the things you hold over my head were things I did as a drugged up child, a child that you should have protected and should have protected my siblings from. Screw you and screw all of your attempts at communication that you never did, but say you have. Thank you to anyone who read this. I really just needed to yell. When they eventually find out that I cut them off because I gave them no warning beforehand, I just dipped after the car was no longer in my hands, they're gonna freak out. If anything memorable happens, I'll make an update, but probably not. Well guys, good news, there is an- I mean, I say good news, sorry, I've gotta stop myself there. Is it good news? I'm pretty much saying there is an update and we're going to get straight into it after I give my immediate comments on what I've just read, which was absolutely bamboozling. But hey, listen, if you're on YouTube, comment down below. Is it good news there's an update for us? I mean, is that a bit weird? Almost predatory? Kind of preying on someone's downfall on OP's mishaps and their horrible family coming back into their life so we get an extended episode and more of a story? I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I stand on it. But anyway... We're going to get into the update in just a second. However, I need to just talk about that story for, for just a hot minute because I can't believe the level of... I don't even know the word to use there because there are so many potential words. We can go with entitled, but that just seems far too basic. I think just malicious, manipulative, downright awful, 100% narcissistic heathens. That is just a few words I would use to describe your horrible parents. What an absolute disgrace they are. Now, what I will say, and obviously I'm saying this before we get into the update, it looks as if you have, by this point in your life, pretty much gotten rid of them. You say right at the end there that they're not even going to know what's hit them, and you have pretty much sacked them off. They're not going to go to your wedding, not going to meet your child, and that is amazing. The best revenge is a life well lived. And look, you just know for sure that if they see you, you know what, it doesn't even matter. I was going to say, you know, they're going to be jealous, and they're going to be like, oh, we made such a mistake. But ultimately, you're not even going to care about that because you're going to be doing your own thing and forgetting about how toxic those people are. And it sounds like you're on the path of that, which is truly amazing. However, as I said, there is an update and I really hope that things continue on in a good vein. I haven't read ahead, so I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm pretty nervous, to be honest. I hope it's good. Anyway, here is that update. Let's get into it. Hi again, everyone. It's been about a month since my 2 a.m. pity party. I want to say thank you for the overwhelming support that I received on my other post. Especially the person who mentioned that my parents were fine with abusing me, but not my siblings, since they were physically unwell rather than mentally unwell like me. That one hit home probably harder than any other comment. I didn't think of it that way, but honestly, it was something someone probably should have said. I'd like to apologize for how rambly and long the last post was. I was in the middle of a panic attack and I've been ignoring calls and texts from them for days. 
I felt like a horrible person and was gaslighting myself into almost going into contact with them again. Oh my gosh, OP, that's awful. The post was more for myself to understand and write out all the mean things they've done so that I could look back and be like, wow, they really reduced me to that. Ha. But for the actual update, I returned their car to them and after that, I vanished. I blocked all of my family's phone numbers, but left my siblings unblocked and open on all social media. I didn't want their numbers to be used to contact me unless it was actually them. Their numbers have since been unblocked. My parents didn't really notice at first. I got a text from mum saying that she was trying as hard as she could. I was just pulling away and she doesn't know why. I might post some of the screenshots of my conversations with them sometime in the future so you can all marvel at how self-centered they are. It was mostly mum for a bit, nothing really from dad. Then one day she texts that she was going to give me space because I wasn't talking to them for some reason and she ceased all contact after that. It was quiet for about a week. Then dad started calling me. My phone shows me the caller ID and the time they called but blocks the call itself. So I got to see almost every morning for about a week or so that I had a missed call from him. Then he started texting me and he tried to use the age old tactic of intimidation to get me to talk to him. It was mostly just, you better answer the phone right now. Then he'd call a bunch, but he finally sent a text about a week ago being cryptic about how I wouldn't know about stuff till after it happened. And if I was going to act like a child, these were the consequences. I kind of just rolled my eyes and didn't respond. It turns out after skimming the family group chat, he's been diagnosed with pretty bad carpal tunnel syndrome in both of his hands and a severe lower back injury they've yet to figure out. He also suffers from a myriad of other illnesses right now, but he still forces himself to work 60 plus hours a week as a postal carrier. So I don't know what he expects. To be honest, this might make me a bad person, but I didn't really care. If it had been about my siblings, I would have probably jumped on the phone and been freaking out but I don't really hold any feelings besides resentment, confusion, and anger with my parents. So this news didn't really faze me. I don't blame you. In better news, Connor has received a few raises due to county regulations being changed, and I now also have a job with the county. I'll be moving on to my own insurance and finally moving on to it without worrying about contact. I also learned right about that time that my parents had taken out five different loans in my name to pay for college, all varying up to about $12,000. They did not explain this with me at all and had apparently been paying them all for the last three years. So I have credit, I guess, when I thought I didn't. So yippee. I have to figure out a way to transfer it into my name and figure out the logistics. But yeah, that's a thing now. My siblings haven't contacted me. The middle one is incredibly angry with my behavior and wants me to contact my mum at least. I've just avoided the topic with her. My other sibling, I can't honestly tell you how they feel, but they apparently plan to move to a big city about four hours away for college in the coming years. So let's hope they go through the same transformation I did. And that's honestly about it. Lots of weird texts that they did nothing but stress themselves out with. And my financial situation is looking up. We also bought a dog recently. Her name is Mandy and our other dog Copper is still getting used to her. So my days are occupied mostly with taking care of a German shepherd puppy who body slams me awake at 6am every day. I hope everyone has a great day and thank you all again for the wonderful and supportive comments on my last post. Phew, sigh of relief from me because let me tell you, I was very concerned that we were going to get a very long and horrible update, but that is pretty good. 
as you say, hopefully at some point soon, your siblings will see the light, maybe when they get to the stage of your life that you were in. I mean, as you mentioned, your parents gaslit you for so long, you actually thought that you were the problem. It wouldn't surprise me if your siblings are feeling the same way or at least the same way about you. Imagine having your parents telling you, you know, for years, this sibling is disgusting only to then realize later on in life that actually no, they were just actually gaslighting that sibling the entire time. And I've been thinking the wrong thing because my parents, all those years I've been influenced in the worst way possible. I would not blame your siblings if they had that mindset until they move out and realize what's really going on. As for you, OP, I've just got to say, how strong? And yeah, you might say it's a bit cringy, guys. I don't really care, right? Elite from OP. Just put yourself in that position. And maybe some of you watching and listening right now are, or at least were in that position in your childhood and teenage years. I, for one, I'm not sure if I'll be able to cope. Maybe it just becomes your reality and you can deal with it. But going through all the stuff that OP went through and coming out of it like this is pretty unbelievable. I've got to say. Poker night pickpocket. Let's set the scene. I have about four really good friends who in turn have a small handful of friends themselves, all of whom love online poker. On occasion, we've been known to play together using Plato and usually I rule. I love poker. It's the closest thing I get to normal human interaction that doesn't take place in my work office. One particularly spirited game, somebody suggested we get together for a normal poker night since we all live in the same city just scattered about. I didn't really want that as I can really be myself in online chats, but I'm very close off in person, more so when there's a lot of people. But we agreed that whoever won the night that night would decide if we did an in-person group game. And I lost. Fair is fair. I agreed to go, despite not really wanting to, since we laid down some ground rules. One, no drinking. We don't need anyone getting salty over losing in person. Two, no children. Kids give me really bad anxiety. And three, only bring cash to the table that you're comfortable losing. The rules seem good. I was happy, even if I didn't want to go. Poker night shows up and I go. And three people brought their kids. I tried to point out that it's in the rules, but the people of the group agreed in that moment that because getting a babysitter would have been too much of a hassle, the kids could just play in the living room while we were in the dining room. I didn't like the agreement, but I didn't want to bail on my friends. I went to put my bag in the front hall closet and to keep me from trying to check my account balance so I wouldn't try to bring more money to the table, I put my phone and my wallet in my backpack. The night was okay. One by one, people lost their shirts, metaphorically, and when they were tapped, they left for the night. I at least managed to stay in the game a while, but when my turn came, I went to check my phone for text and found my backpack open in the hall closet and on the floor, my wallet had been emptied of all cash. My credit card was gone as well and my phone was nowhere to be seen. I didn't want to accuse anyone of anything, so I had my friend call it and at first it rang, but nobody heard it. After that, every time it rang, it went straight to voicemail, meaning somebody turned it off. That night when I got home, I checked Google Maps to see where my phone was last seen and I saw a trail that led to a house on the other side of town. I went to the house and knocked on the door and to my surprise, one of the people who had brought their kid over to poker night stood there she seemed surprised to see me so i asked her if she'd picked up an extra phone by accident at the party i didn't want to make her think i was accusing her of anything now she said that she hadn't and that on its own didn't sit right with me so i told her that my phone had last been pinned to be at her house because of the gps on it she started getting aggressive and told me she wouldn't be harassed and slammed the door in my face i sat in my car for a moment and tried to debate what to do next when a cop car pulled up and told me that i was trespassing and being accused of harassment i couldn't believe this i told the officer but he didn't seem remotely faced and told me that if i had a complaint i can file a report so i did 
That same day, I went to the police station with my laptop and showed them the proof of where my phone was last pinged, about seeing that woman and her kid at poker night and about my missing credit card. I was told that it would be taken into review, but the very next day, I was emailed to go and get my phone and credit card at the police station, but all the cash in my wallet was gone. It turns out the entitled kid that had stolen my stuff had started bragging to his friends about how he got away with stealing a bunch of stuff from the party including my phone luckily another kid had a spine and told his parents who went to go and confront the mother as the other officers were showing up to investigate you know what that's really quite sad isn't it something that should have been such a fun night you know playing poker with your pals in real life something that you should be able to enjoy right but no ruined what i would love to know is how much this woman actually knew about what her kid did and what they stole because as you say and i'm inclined to agree like the fact that she was like don't harass me get away it's a little bit fishy i will say and realistically the only reason why this came out is because the kid was bragging to his friends and other parents or something about it if they hadn't done that then this mum probably would have just kept up the act and said i've got no idea you're not allowed in my house etc what is she doing has she set her kid up to go and steal things at this poker night i have no idea but it's very very snaky that's for sure hopefully there are repercussions because if you could find some sort of evidence that said that the mum explicitly told her kid to do this then it wouldn't really be the kid's fault anymore and the mum would actually probably face some charges and that's what we all want at the end of the day entitled aunt and her christian songs i want to open this off with a statement that i have nothing against people of religious faith i understand that our ideals do not align and i respect that now with that out of the way i want to tell you all about an unpleasant trait my aunt has that bothers not just me but also my neighbors my aunt has recently been resurfacing her faith into the lord she is a roman catholic she recently hit a rough patch in her life and has found solace again in religion and she won't hesitate to let you know she'd tell you about how she cries every time in worship how she'd always somehow work her faith into the most absurd of topics we generally seem to get along aside from one altercation where she expressed disgust towards my sexuality but other than that she treats me well and at the end respects me as a person well respects in the sense that she at least has the decency to hide her distaste She is generally a very nice person and has little to no beef with anyone in her life That is except for how she chooses to continue her faith Aside from the aforementioned constant mentioning Another way she'll let you know is by playing loud variations of praise and worship hill songs She played these songs even in the dead of night where everyone would normally be asleep She'd have christian rock in the background playing granted. I don't fully understand why she does this But I also know that you really shouldn't do this when almost everyone in the neighborhood Unanimously agrees that you should maybe tone it down a bit once I asked her if she could But she got a bit touchy and asked me if I even understood god at all The point is I don't but it's irritating having the same old song over and over again It also doesn't help that it wasn't exactly the genre that I was into I once turned down her music and she turned a meaningful argument into a rant about how I don't don't appreciate the things she does for me. My parents are practically non-existent anymore. We've been living with her since they're falling out. Yes, she does provide for the house. I also do try to chip in with the work regularly and carry mine and my sister's weight every now and then. But back to the music thing. We'd be kept awake each night with thank you, Lord, and variations of such. And if that's not the case, when I do schoolwork at home, it was hard for me to focus. She wouldn't turn it down, not out of spite, but she really legitimately just didn't want to. I want to set up an intervention with her and my grandparents soon to get this thing out of the way. It's also probably worth mentioning that we'd never gotten a single noise complaint ever, just slightly annoyed neighbors irritably knocking on our door. 
I'm not sure she's that nice, but I digress. Yeah, this one is actually just crazy. I'm sorry. I don't really care if you're religious or you're not, how you practice, what your beliefs are. Like, it's actually so unimportant to me. I couldn't care less. You do what makes you happy and what you believe in. That's absolutely fine. However, when it starts impacting other people to this extent and you can't turn your music down in the middle of the night, then that is way too far. And it's got nothing to do with religion. I'm sorry. That's just you being a bar. Everyone has a right to their belief. Don't get me wrong. But if that belief then intrudes on everyone else and annoys everyone, then that's a little bit too far. I'm sorry. And also, like, I don't know too much about what religion is this again? Roman Catholicism. But surely there are bits in the Bible or, you know, parts of this woman's religion that she practices and believes in that say that you have to be kind or treat other people well or just you can't play Christian rock music in the middle of the night. That's going to be in there somewhere. Like if there are some commandments, number nine, you can't play bad music in the middle of the night. I reckon it's in there. And quite frankly, you can't tell me otherwise. So there we go. Entitled mother tried to steal my tablet. So I went from zero to 100 to make her back off. First time poster here, and I'm still in awe about the audacity of some people. I've read about entitled people, but outside of my school, I've never been in contact with any of them long enough to deal with them. That was until recently. I am a 33-year-old man, and I'm an ELA teacher based in China for the last three and a half years. First, a little bit of information before I get to the story. There's a bit of a pay gap between foreign and Chinese teachers. This is a well-known fact, but only the most opportunistic people like to capitalize on it from time to time, if you're not careful. It could be anything from charging more at stands to, on the rarest of rare occasions, guilting us into complying. Trust me, it's happened, and those select few people are not apologetic about it. Now, onto the story. It was Chinese New Year, and I was on the train to Chongqing to visit a friend. I don't like flying, and I really like trains. Now, I had my Samsung Tab S8 Plus and was watching Final Fantasy VII Advent Children with Bluetooth. Suddenly, I felt something nudging against me. I looked to see a kid, maybe in elementary, trying to look at my movie. So I turned off my Bluetooth and turned the tablet to him so that he could watch as well. Yeah, that sounds weird, but being a teacher here, you get used to it. Anyway, he was really immersed. And though I couldn't understand him, I could tell that he was enjoying it a lot. He was trying to talk to me, but his English wasn't so good and my Chinese was worse. So he opted for, I like this, so cool, me too, and things like that. Very basic English. He was a sweet kid and he got to watch the whole thing before our stop. He even said Chongqing and I said, me too. He waved goodbye and ran back to his mum, and I began to pack my things so I could get off. Then it happened. A woman approached me with the kid and in perfect English demanded my tablets. She literally said, give me your tablets. I thought I was in twilight zone and I wanted to ensure I heard her correctly. Excuse me? Give me your tablet. I want my son to have it. I refused. A simple no. And she said those magic words that I'd begun hating to hear. But you're a foreigner. You can just buy another one. Now, a couple of things. One, I don't know if the kid really wanted my tablet or not. And frankly, I didn't care. And two, I come from a family that has taught me to never let anyone make you feel less than others. If somebody tries to take my dignity, it's not going to end well for that person. And no, I don't actually have to fight to get my point across. Fair warning, I'm paraphrasing the confrontation because it lasted a lot longer than I cared for. I said, no, I can't. I have to save to buy this. You could do the same. No, you can give me yours and stop being selfish. Again, I countered. Or you can stop being an entitled female dog and buy your own. It was my first time seeing a shocked Pikachu face. And to rub salt in the wound, I added shoo shoo. She did go away. 
only to come back with the police. Now that I should have seen coming, but I didn't because I was focused on getting off the train. Lucky for me, the policeman also spoke English with great fluency. He was also really polite and obviously not in the mood for any of this. Sir, this woman says that you stole her tablets. I saw the woman behind him with a triumphant smirk while speaking Chinese. I let out a sigh. I'd already wasted enough time on this nonsense. So I did what I always did when I wanted to get my point across in the quickest way possible. I turn cold. In fact, my students refer to it as me turning into Bing Ayoshi, ice teacher. I looked at the police officer and said, I'll make a deal with you. I'm going to use my fingerprint to unlock this tablet. If it doesn't work, she can have it. If it does work, I get to bash her face in. Wow. That woman's Pikachu face came back so fast that the officer even had a shock look. He asked me if I was serious and I said, definitely. I guess the woman saw my face and tried to backpedal, but I wasn't going to let her go until I made my points. When she tried to leave, I said, where are you going? I thought you said this was yours. The woman looked to the police for help, but as I said, he was not in the mood. She said something in Chinese to the man, only for the man to give a short reply. I guess he wasn't going to entertain this and made sure I didn't hit her. How dare you? You had the nerve to try and take something that's mine because I'm a foreigner? You're disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself. The woman had a mixture of fear, shock, and anger on her face when I finally asked, is this your tablet? When the woman said no, I leaned my head in towards her and barked, what was that? She finally said that the tablet was mine before taking her kid and leaving. The kid did wave goodbye to me despite his mother's objections and I smiled and waved back. The officer asked me if I was serious about hurting her and I told him the truth. I wouldn't have hit a woman over an object. He laughed and wished me a happy Chinese New Year. I told my friend about this and we had a good laugh. Well, OP, when you said at the start of this story that often locals, you know, pick on or choose to go after foreigners because they know they're more wealthy or earn more from their jobs, I didn't think it would be like this. You know, I didn't think it would be actually trying to steal or at least get for free their technology products. That is a new level. Again, as I always say, whenever I read stories like this involving a kid that's pretty innocent, having a great time, and then their entitled parent that is like this, I really hope that they grow up and don't become like their parent because, uh, you know, we've seen it too many times before. What can happen to a very innocent young kid just enjoying a program on an iPad and then it gets ruined by their mother. Sad, but it is the way that the world works. Wow, Opie's actually just put a little edit in the comments um, and they actually say that their colleague at work saw this post and told Opie that he got lucky because according to him, some cops would arrest foreigners just for making threats to Chinese locals. He told OP that he's seen cops force foreigners to give their possessions to liars without getting them back despite reporting them. Sure, they get in trouble, but you're still without your possessions. Wow. I've got to say that this police officer in this story acted pretty well. Like that is exactly how you'd want a police officer to act, you know, pretty uh, impartial. Just, hey, what's going on here? Sort it out. Nice. But hearing stories about that, goodness me, sounds like you did get lucky and that's kind of worrying. Let's be realistic. Entitled SOB colleague drinks from my personal mug. This happened 10 years ago and all names have been changed. My name for this story is Larissa, which is not my real name. I used to work for a money exchange company with a front store and office in the heart of the city center. The store had four stories and we'd often host training sessions there. Because of this, we had company branded mugs and us in store staff had our own mugs. Now I noticed that people would use my personal mug despite the amount of company mugs available. I don't like 
like sharing my mug with people, but I will with people that I'm close to, but I do not with those I don't know. I don't know their hygiene levels and it stresses my inner germaphobe out. I remember seeing a visiting member of staff drinking from my cup once and they just shrugged and said it was clean and there, so they used it. Rude, but okay. I moaned about it to my gorgeous caring friend who for my birthday made me a one of a kind mug, especially for me. She probably got tired of me complaining about her. So I bring my new mug into work and return my other generic one back home. There is no way that anyone could mistake this as available for public use, right? Wrong. Q Tom, not his real name. He was a blonde, cocky SOB who had to be the loudest in the room and was such an attention seeker. Those big buckle types, always talking about how detailed oriented he was, blah, blah, blah. I came into the staff room one day and found out that he was visiting. I left as it was a bit too crowded. When I left, Tom was rifling through the cupboards. At this point, we'd moved all in-house staff mugs to a separate cupboard to avoid issues as this had caused friction before. There were about 30 company branded mugs, so no reason for anyone to use personal mugs. I returned later and noticed that he'd once again used my mug. The staff room was quieter, but still busy. Maybe 10 people or so, including Tom and I. This awkward interaction followed. Hey, are all the company mugs being used? No, said Tom. Okay, so why are you using one of the personal mugs? It was the first mug I grabbed. This was most likely a lie, but I couldn't prove it. Just use one of the company mugs. Those are ours for our personal use. We bought them from home. But these are company cupboards, so I don't see what the issue is. I came in and I grabbed a mug. Okay, but we have company logo mugs for a reason. Use one of those and put that one back. At this point, I was angry. Tom, with a cocky grin on his face, takes another sip from my mug and says, I don't know what your issue is. It's not like the mug has your name on it. Mm, Actually, I think you'll find it does. I point at the mug. Tom's actually baffled by this. Oh, wow. I thought he was being sarcastic. What do you mean? No, no. It literally has my name on it. Look, I point at the mug and in huge red lettering, it says Larissa. This is where it got very interesting. One of my colleagues started laughing. They know why I got that mug, because it's happened to me so many times before, hence my name's on it. Tom's face then went red, like tomato red, and you could see him sweating from embarrassment. Serves him right for trying to be a condescending SOB. I'm not quite sure how you missed it, I said, considering you're so detailed oriented. The writing is huge and in red. Please pour your drink into another mug. I'd like a cup of tea and I want to use my mug. I've never seen anyone pour a drink and hightail it out of somewhere so fast. What made it worse is that afterwards, everyone in the company somehow found out and people started making jokes about hiding their stuff. They did this because he would do this everywhere he went, drink from someone else's mug on purpose and claim it was an accident. I only found this out afterwards when news of the incident did the rounds. The fact is, his cockiness made me want to expose him. It also made him look like an idiot. Going forward, he only ever drank from company logo mugs, but someone always reminded him of this incident. See, I actually can't work out what's more dumb here, guys. The fact that this person, Big Tom, didn't realize that your name was on the mug that he was drinking out of or the fact that he's drinking out of it in the first place. But as I said during that story, I thought he was being sarcastic when he said, what do you mean? If the letters Larissa are just on the mug and he's not seen it. Uh, but no, apparently not. He actually just hadn't seen the name Larissa on a mug. I, I don't know. He might just be a very simple human that can't read. And Tom, if you are watching or listening, my friend, and that is you, then I'm sorry. And it also means that you won't be able to know what word I'm holding up on screen right now. And there it is. Steve-o, please don't uh, do me dirty there. (laughs)
Please, my friend, please. Entitled father wanted to benefit from killing my mother. It's been one year, four months, one week, and four days since my mum passed due to COVID. Even sharing this now, I'm having a hard time, but I'm hoping that letting it out will help with grieving. When she first tested positive while working at the VA Northern California Healthcare System in Oakland, I told my father to take my mum to be seen by a doctor and to get her help. She passed away eight days later. She never told us how bad it was, just for us to stay away so we don't get COVID from her. My father is a Navy veteran, medically and mentally ill, and he's a Trump supporter who drank bleach literally. He threatened to divorce her if she got vaccinated with the mark of the beast and adamantly told his children that we will all die from the vaccine. During her last days, she'd reached out to my father's siblings to beg them for help, convincing him to take her to the hospital or for them to take her. The morning before she passed, his sister was able to convince him to take her. She lost consciousness when she arrived and was immediately admitted to the ICU. She passed away a couple of hours later on the 9th of October, 2021 at 12.28 p.m. in room 242, ICU 2H4. How terribly sad. I'm so sorry for your loss, OP. I contacted the funeral home to make arrangements, gave my apartment to my youngest sister, and moved back in to take care of my father. I then arranged and coordinated to have a funeral in America and her home country simultaneously, so that her family who weren't able to come to America could still attend. My aunts deserved to see their sister buried. That was non-negotiable. My mum's friends started a GoFundMe, which funded her celebration of life both in America and in her home country. My father has a lot of health and mental issues. My mum was his primary caregiver. When I moved in, I took care of him physically, mentally, and financially. I made sure he ate, took his meds, didn't shoot himself with my mum's guns that he made her buy because he couldn't qualify to get his own, and paid all of our family bills. That's food, gas, mortgage, car notes, electricity, water, cell phone bills, just to name a few. I also financed our youngest sister's living and school expenses while she finished nursing school, all while I'm trying to maintain my own bills and household. During that time, my father felt more entitled than he already did. He wanted to tell me what to do, but admits that he doesn't know what he's doing when I do exactly what he says to show him it won't work or doesn't work that way. He also wanted me to pay for everything by myself while he had over $5,000 in income every month on top of what my parents had in savings for a rainy day, which was substantial. There were several straws that broke the camel's back per se. Aside from wanting me to do as I'm told, but wanting me to take care of everything he's unable to in his grief, he kept pushing the issue of cutting off my youngest sister. He insisted that she is an adult and should be able to take care of herself if she would have made better decisions. This coming from the same adult who's not able to take care of himself due to long-term alcohol abuse. I've tried over and over again to explain that our mum was generous enough to have supported my brother and I and that we wouldn't be where we are in life without her support. Because my sister is much younger than us, she did not get the opportunity to receive the same amount of support that we did, and she deserves to. She wasn't working at the time and only had several months left of nursing school before graduating. I'm very proud of her. The next straw that broke the camel's back was when I had asked a transition from me paying all of his bills to using his own income to pay for his own bills instead of just hoarding as much as he could. That's when everything went downhill fast. He argued that I'd have money if I didn't support my sister. I argued that he has his own money to use that he's not currently using while I pay for everything. He said he'd pay me back if I give him an itemized list of bills that I paid for, which I gave him a copy of several times, but I never saw a dime. 
Not that I was expecting anything. I just wanted to give him what he asked for so he couldn't say that I didn't. I told him I couldn't continue supporting him and that I needed help paying their bills. He asked about the GoFundMe donation and told me to use that to continue paying for everything. I tried explaining to him how much was donated and how much was spent on funeral expenses. He exploded. We were at the top of the stairs when he started yelling inches from my face that the donations were for him and that I had no right to use it. And in his rage, he almost hit me like he used to do frequently when I was a child. He forgot that I was an adult now and that he's not as strong as he used to be. Short of me throwing him off the balcony, my now husband stepped in to remind my father that there was no way in heck he'd sit back and watch him hit or beat me like he wanted to. We moved out days later. That same month, he reported to the bank that my mum has passed and they closed her accounts. He then called the police to report that I cleaned out her accounts before closing them and stole thousands of dollars. After a long investigation by the police, they had the bank explain to him that the accounts were closed by him when he reported that she'd passed and that they've sent out a check to him in the amount of what was in all of the accounts. He then reported my car that was under his name stolen. After yet another long investigation, the police concluded with video and testimonial evidence from the dealership that the car was not stolen and that he'd bought the car with the intention of having me drive it. Shortly after, I got into a car accident, unrelated, that totaled the car, which he got a check for from the insurance company because it was under his name. I've since bought my own car without his help in any way, shape or form. When none of his police reports panned out, he resorted to calling my job to have me fired. He told them I was using drugs. I worked with special education students and was routinely drug tested. When he started showing up to the school, I was let go because he's made an unsafe situation for any students to be exposed to. He then started showing up to my apartment to break into my car and leave things on my front door to let me know he came by. He attempted to break in once, but my dogs prevented him from entering intact. We've since moved to another city and he no longer knows where we live. I've cut off all communications with him. I've since gotten married and given birth. Family members and my mum's friends keep asking if my father has met my child or if he knows he's a grandfather. My mum shouldn't have allowed an abusive alcoholic around her children. I will not allow him to be around mine. Oh my goodness me. What a sad start to this episode. I just feel like completely devoid of everything when I read stories like this. Just so tragic to think that your mum's life, I don't even want to say is likely to have been saved, is very likely to have been saved if she'd gone to hospital as soon as she started feeling poorly. We've seen the stats, right? I'm sorry, we have. If you get to a hospital and you have COVID, even back then, your chances of survival were obviously way more increased than if you didn't go. And it's your own dad's negligence that has stopped your mum from being around right now. And look, I get it. He has some issues. Fine. Everyone's got issues. It doesn't mean you stop someone who is really horribly ill from going to hospital. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. That's not an excuse. I will say that it's great to hear that now things are going well for you and you have your own family and you've cut that horrific man off. However, I can't get over the fact that your dad has literally killed your mother and you're gonna have to live with that forever. It's so sad. Best of luck to you and your family in the rest of your life. Now for our next entitled parent story. And unfortunately, guys, this one is not much better than the first. My mother-in-law tried to stop my wife's life-saving treatments. Allow me to introduce you to my late mother-in-law. I'll call her Carol for the sake of variety. 
Though I've heard many stories about her, for the most part, I'll stick with things that I witnessed myself. There are enough of them. I don't think Carol ever met a new age concept that she didn't like. Her express goal was to synthesize all religion, science, and mysticism into a unified whole. All of it. To this end, she amassed a large collection of books and stranger objects from her travels, with a special focus on healing. Her library had volumes about vibration manipulation, curative trampolining, homeopathic color therapy, and on and on. I'm not joking or exaggerating here. Her shelves had lots of admittedly pretty mineral crystals, along with bottles of magic goddess essence water evaporated away, and bogus radon protectors powered by diagrams of geometric figures. Her favorite book, based on the number of annotations and sticky notes, was hundreds of pages of word salad about spiritual beings from the star Archturus, That's Arcturus, spelled with an H because of an H-bar, which is Planck's constant from physics. Except that Planck's constant is denoted by H, and H-bar is H, the reduced Planck's constant. It's important to get these details right when you're dealing with spiritual beings, guys. Her pentagonal home was custom-built around an energy vortex that she discovered in the coastal peaks of British Columbia. What an intro. Off the rip, let's just say this. This woman sounds interesting. Right then, Carol's parenting was, how shall I put this, more darkly eccentric. She was physically and emotionally abusive to her children. Well, all the fun and weird stuff lasted for about two seconds. One still has some pencil lead embedded in his hand from when she stabbed him because she wasn't satisfied with his piano practice. She attacked one with a kitchen knife. She started shaming her daughter, later my wife, as soon as she grew breasts, for growing breasts. So she forced her daughter to wear two large bathing suits with the apparent intention of making said breasts look smaller by contrast, but with the actual effect that there were wardrobe malfunctions. She was ashamed that her daughter went into medicine and became a noted specialist, rather than supporting her own non-traditional medical work. I wonder why her daughter went into medicine. You know, science. I really wonder why. My wife got the heck out at age 17 and moved across the country to go to university. For most of the time after that, she went relatively low contact. Again, I really wonder why. A decade ago, my wife suffered from a surgical error, which resulted in abdominal sepsis and asked me to call her mother. That made me understand just how deathly serious the situation was. I was to call in the family for what might be the last time. I hadn't grasped that her life was truly at risk until that point. Nothing less would have induced her to try to get her mother to visit. To her credit, Carol hurried out for what was supposed to be a couple of weeks. It was expected that in that time, my wife would either be dead or on the road to recovery. Carol stayed in our home and at first things didn't go too badly. For the most part, we just didn't talk about the treatments that my wife was undergoing. Carol did, though, express concern about the antibiotics that were being given, since, according to her own views, antibiotics did nothing but harm. But a couple of weeks stretched into a couple of months, and Carol became harder to live with. She was angry when I stroked my wife's hair with my hand because I was blocking the energy from her chakra. She started blaming me for having somehow caused the nausea that the bot surgery was supposed to cure. I drove her out to pick up a magical concoction of essential oils on the condition that she checked with one of the doctors before applying them. 
I pointed out that if the mixture had the power to heal, then it also had the power to cause harm, which Carol denied. When we got back to the hospital, I nabbed one of the residents when we reached my wife's floor to ask about that. Carol became furious about it and was clear that she had no intention of talking with the doctors. At home, she became more abusive to me. She was claiming that I was abusing my wife by not letting her have her things in the house. At that point, I lost my temper. That's the first time that I'd yelled at a person in literally a couple of decades. I told her that almost everything in sight was actually her daughter's, displacing my stuff. The sofas, the piano, tables and chairs, the bookshelves, and the electronics. The shelves for the CDs and DVDs were mine, but half the contents were hers. Carol wanted to know if I would be continuing the herbal remedies after she left, and I told her that that was up to my wife. I'd continue them if she wanted, I'd stop them if she preferred. Carol screamed that I was abusing my wife by following her own wishes rather than her mother's. On the night before Carol was finally supposed to be heading out, I was restless. That particular nightmare was about to end, but my wife was still quite ill. I got to thinking about that essential oil mixture, which included both oil of cloves and oil of cinnamon. Those are both strongly irritating if left on the skin and carol had been painting my wife's feet with the stuff her feet were apparently the correct energy points to draw out the infection i went online and found the manufacturer's instructions which specified that the oil needed to be significantly diluted with some neutral oil if it was going to be applied to the skin carol hadn't even been using this stuff properly well that explained why the skin on my wife's feet was yellow and starting to peel But Carol was furious when I calmly pointed out the problems that she was creating out of ignorance. A few days after Carol left, my wife took a turn for the worse and had to go back into the intensive care unit. And I dreaded the phone call that I had to make. Not because of the bad news, but because I anticipated how Carol would react. And she didn't disappoint. If you really loved her, you'd put her back onto the herbal oil and stop the antibiotics. You know perfectly well they don't do a dang lick of good. At which point I hung up. I had other things to worry about. My wife pulled through after months in hospital and three stays in ICU. She's still in poor health. I told her that I was putting my foot down. Under no circumstances was her mother welcome under my roof again. She'd grossly abused her privilege as a house guest. I didn't care about the family custom that family members were always welcome to stay as guests. I would not stay under the same roof as her mother. Having heard my stories and based on her own experiences, my wife agreed. A few years ago, Carol died, much as she had lived. She was diagnosed with metastasized lung cancer. Although she did undergo some real medical therapies, she relied mostly on her quack remedies, pawpaw twig powder, whey protein, immune boosters, and the like. The usual stuff that ethics-free swindlers pawn off on desperate sufferers. She firmly believed that all the little white spots on her lung x-rays were a good sign and that her rapid weight loss indicated that her boosters were draining the cancer away. If there's some existence after death, I hope she came to appreciate all of the harm that she did in life. Except... A couple of nights after she passed away, I was driving from the hospital back to the Energy Vortex house. The rental's car navigation device suggested a shorter route than I'd taken to get there. But that route turned into a back road, into a rough road in the hills, into a track through the forest, and in pitch darkness apart from my headlights, over a rocky bump and directly into a tree trunk. Luckily, I was traveling slowly and I stopped in time. As I paused, shaken, I got to wondering if there might be something to Carol's worldview after all, and if her vengeful spirit might have possessed the GPS device, making one last try at killing me. 
And there we go. To be honest, guys, stories like this, as much as they are kind of fun a little bit and like it's funny to laugh at someone like carol because she is so stupid it does make me feel a little bit sick because i don't mind you as an individual believing whatever you want about anything to be fair as long as it doesn't harm someone else you can believe that i'm an elephant if that's what you want to believe but if it starts to harm me then i am no longer an elephant i am jack and yeah look, i get it not the best analogy but I hope that at least one of you gets what I'm saying. The point being, if you want to do some silly essential oil stuff, and I'm sorry, it is silly, then you go ahead. If you want to do your little rituals that make you happy, that's fine. But the moment you start rubbing essential oils into your dying daughter's feet, that is when it gets to me. That is when it's no longer funny. Unless you're doing it for OnlyFans and I'm paying. Then I can allow it. But all jokes aside, seriously, if you're doing something for yourself, that's fine. But when it comes to... to serious things like death and cancer and all that sort of rubbish sorry but if you're not going to go through the proper processes that's your own fault deep but true my aunt stole my inheritance then karma struck and her life fell apart my aunt was one of two kids my grandparents had my mother was the polar opposite to my aunt she worked from the age of 12 in my grandfather's shop never asked for anything and eventually managed to start her own business my aunt never held down a job until the age of 26 she was constantly stealing from her parents and was constantly in trouble despite this my aunt was spoiled by my grandmother and so were her kids she had three kids from three different men and her first husband was not one of them if you know what i mean it didn't matter what my aunt or her kids did my grandmother would always jump to their defense she never had time for my mum and her kids unless it was to get something from us the only reason my mum would visit her was because she loved my grandfather my grandfather passed away in 2004 and a few months after my nan decided to write up a new will my mother and my aunt were both present for it when she signed it so they knew what was in it it made it so that when she passed away her home would be sold and the money split 25 percent each to my mum and aunt and the remaining 50 percent would go evenly to the grandkids at the time the home was worth more than half a million pounds so it would be a nice little inheritance but nothing life-changing in 2010 my mum died after an accident and did not have a current will in place as she no longer had her business and was renting a house she didn't have anything of much monetary value the only thing she was concerned about was what would be done at her funeral should she pass away but she told me everything she wanted the music the flowers the coffin color and even what people were to wear at the funeral she wanted people to wear bright warm colors so when she passed my aunt and nan took over all the arrangements and tried to undo all the things i told them the songs were going to be songs i knew mum didn't like the flowers were all the wrong colors and they picked a hideous coffin with the help of my siblings we were able to change a few of the things back to what they were supposed to be but the coffin couldn't be changed for some reason and my nan refused to let people come dressed as clowns so it was all black it was frustrating after the funeral my nan had her will changed my siblings and i were told by our aunt that she didn't have any involvement with the writing of the will and our nan told us that she changed it so that mum's share would go to her kids instead all good we thought after mum passed away my nan just stopped talking about my mum at first we thought it was because she was still recovering from losing her daughter but even five years after mum passed she still wouldn't talk about her even if you brought up a story about my mum, Nan would very obviously try and change the subject, usually about how hard my aunt and her trashy kids had it. And if you went to talk about your own problems, she would somehow bring it back to my aunt. I suffered a mental breakdown after my mum's death, so you can imagine how much it hurt to hear, well, X has had it so much worse. In 2016, my Nan passed away. 
She'd written down what she wanted to be done for her funeral And it was basically all the same things that she'd picked out for my mum's funeral Even the music to be played I don't know why she tried to have a dress rehearsal funeral using my mum as the stand-in But it was obvious that that's what she was trying to do So after a couple of months our siblings and I were waiting to hear about the will reading and my aunt kept telling me Oh, it will be another month before we can do the reading. I didn't mind. I wasn't fussed about the money to be honest But my oldest brother was hoping to use the money to pay for a honeymoon for him and his then fiance And my younger brother was about to start uni. So it would have been one heck of a help Eventually my dad bumped into the solicitor My grandmother had used to deal with her will and asked what was happening The solicitor let slip that the will had already been read and that it left everything to my aunt's When my dad questioned this the solicitor told him that my aunt had been present when the will was written Despite promising that she had nothing to do with it when confronted my aunt initially tried to deny But eventually admitted to lying to all of us She showed us the will and it confirmed what we already knew the house and all its contents were now my aunt's This included my granddad's war medals. He fought in the second world war when I told her that he'd promised them to me before he died She said well unless you have it in writing you will have nothing in this house anyway i already gave them to clive my heart sank clive not his real name obviously was her eldest son and the dictionary definition of a screw-up he'd been in and out of prison for stealing and dealing drugs i knew that the moment that idiot got his hands on my granddad's medals they would have been sold off we looked into taking her to court over the will but everyone we spoke to said that we probably wouldn't get anything out of it She immediately put the house up for sale at close to three quarters of a million pounds She'd angered too many people in our town So she was going to sell the house and move closer to her daughter who lives in a big city An offer was made on the house and she put down a deposit on a house near the big city And I thought that was that Here's where karma comes into play The people who wanted my nan's house had a survey done on the house to see if there were issues And oh boy there were it turns out that the land the house was built on was way too soft for the type of house it was And it was sinking it sunk about two centimeters in the 40 plus years My nan and granddad had lived there, but the sinking was accelerating to one centimeter per year This meant that within the next three years the house would need some serious work or be knocked down the new value of the house just sixty thousand pounds therefore the buyers immediately pulled out having not even put down a deposit she couldn't buy her new house but still had to pay the deposit on it and while this was happening she let clive move in with her into her house that she rented from the council he wasn't allowed to live in any of the council houses because he trashed every single one he'd ever been given somebody reported this and she was kicked out of her home She was forced to move into my nan's old home as she couldn't live anywhere else So there she is living in a crumbling house with her idiot son and her partner She was stuck there for two years Every time I saw her she'd try and start talking to me and I would just ignore her and walk off One time as I was walking away she screamed Your mother deserved to die for having a r word like you in the middle of a busy street Someone reported her to the police and she had an official warning from them and was ridiculed on facebook Every time I saw her after that she looked more and more miserable Eventually she sold the house for something like eighty-five thousand pounds and moved in with her daughter in the big city I lost contact with her and her kids after this. I thought karma had been issued Oh, but karma still wasn't done with her I bumped into one of her former friends and she told me what happened after she left our town She moved into her daughter's home. Let's call her sue But they only had a three-bedroom house and three kids 
My aunt and her partner had to live in the smallest room in the house while my aunt looked for a job and a home to rent. Even with £85,000 cash, she couldn't afford a home anywhere. After about a month, my aunt's partner ran off after emptying her accounts. She was left stranded in Sue's house, not contributing anything because all the money she makes goes into bingo. Eventually, Sue and my aunt get into a screaming match and my aunt says something along the lines of, I should have aborted you. Sue immediately kicked her out of her house. So again, there's my aunt in a city where she knows nobody, no money, no home, and the last bridge she had, a smoldering wreck. Last anyone is hurt, she was living in a caravan in the roughest part of the city, and she can no longer work because she's suffering early onset arthritis and can no longer move her hands. I know I shouldn't get joy out of something like this happening to another person, but it does bring me some peace as to what happened. Wow, before we got into the end of that story, I was thinking, okay, that is some pretty good karma. I'm happy that everything seems to have evened itself out. And then there was another paragraph. And it kept going and going. And honestly, I loved every second of it. I mean, look, stealing someone's inheritance is one thing. But things like those war medals that have obviously been sold, you're never going to get them back. Those are memories that have no price. You cannot put a price on them. They are so special to you and they've gone. I mean, that, if anything, is worth all that karma alone. And look, I'll say this. Karma is a But then again, so is your aunt. So it seems completely fair to me. Now, if you like stolen inheritance stories, you're going to want to stay tuned because I've got another one for you. Mum wants me to sign over 250,000 beneficiary check. My dad passed away recently and it came to light that he named me as one of the beneficiaries on his life insurance policy. My mum says that it was a mistake and that I'm not supposed to be a beneficiary, just her. She wants me to file for the money and sign the check over to her. I'm going to go through with it because she is my mum and blah, blah, whatever. But the insulting part is that my mum says I can keep $5,000 from it to throw my wedding. I only have 2000 from my own money because my partner and I are kind of broke. Is she being entitled or am I or both of us? Okay, wow. This is one of the craziest posts I've ever read. OP couldn't possibly be less understanding of the situation. I don't want to be harsh, but that is the truth. But thankfully, there is an update which we're going to get straight into. And hopefully some sense has come into OP's head or at least someone has told them what they really should be doing here. Oh boy. Well, some updates are due. First of all, thank you all for your concern and comments in my first post. It was helpful to hear your perspective on the money and it definitely changed my view of the whole situation. To recap quickly, my dad passed away and he named me as a beneficiary on his life insurance policy. My mum said it was a mistake and that I'm not supposed to be a beneficiary, just her. So she wants me and my brother to file for the money and then sign the check over to her. Now on the policy, my mum is named at 34% and my brother and I are named at 33% and my younger sister is not named. It turns out that the policy was not made before my sister was born which adds to the murkiness and confusion surrounding why my sister is not included my guess is that my dad signed up for this policy and forgot my sister's social thinking he'd just come back to it later and revise but he never got around to it i guess he was bipolar and did things impulsively sometimes I think this life insurance policy was one of them. Well, at least he had life insurance. Suggesting we slow down and talk about this policy more has made me the bad guy in the family. My mum and my brother think that I am being selfish. It's gotten so tense that we have to discuss things via email because everyone is getting so emotional about it. My mum continues to insist that he made a mistake. She writes, When dad took out this policy, his intention was for me, my mum, to have money to pay off the house, which is already paid off by the way and have financial means to take care of the family. Dad would never, 
ever intentionally exclude his youngest daughter from this scenario if his intentions were to split things between the family I believe he completed the paperwork incorrectly because he didn't understand how to write the policy to support his intentions I responded with a proposal The three of us split the cost of my dad's medical bills for the past two years of his illness hospice care costs and the funeral After that is settled, my brother and I split our portions into three so that my sister gets a share. She does not like this proposal and passive aggressively told me to not bother paying her back for the medical and funeral costs. I also get the sense that she is trying to guilt trip me because she keeps saying that she can't afford to screen in her porch. I'm sure there'll be more updates. This feels long from over. Okay then, just as I was going to say with the first one, really, I feel like with this story, you need to just get a lawyer involved. You need someone in the mixer who knows exactly what is going on and exactly what you can and can't do to stop your mum from getting away with this. I am glad though that my fears after the first post before this update are not going to come to fruition. I was very worried there that you were just going to sign over just because she's your mum and be done with it. But thankfully, the people of Reddit have told you that that is not a good idea. And that is the beauty of Reddit and why I love the platform, because you do get the most genuine, helpful advice on the entirety of the internet from people who know a lot more than you. And look, I hold my hands up. I put myself in that situation too. A lot of times, if I need to know some information that I can't just instantly find, I'll ask a question on Reddit and I'll get fantastic answers. However, with all that being said, as I said at the beginning, I would still get a lawyer involved to make sure that you're not con out of an incredible amount of money entitled parent parks in my driveway i own a house a couple houses down from a school so this was bound to happen eventually when it's time for the kids to go home my street is lined bumper to bumper with parents to pick up their kids the sidewalks are full of families who walk all the way to their cars i often have to pick up balloons snack packaging old homework worksheets and general garbage that the kids drop If you're trying to get home around the time school lets out, there is no way you're going to be able to get there before the blockade the parents make is gone. This has been a problem the few years we've lived here. There's two places the kids let out. My street, which is a small cul-de-sac with the school at the top, and a main road that's open all the way down to a baseball park with a wider road to allow street parking and two-way driving. Obviously, if you can't find parking, the tiny residential road isn't the way to go. There are three cars at my home. My car, my roommate's car, and my husband's utility van, which he parks on the road to avoid blocking our roommate since she's frequently in and out. Fridays, today, I work from home. So when I finish work, I put my head out the window to look at my fruit tree I have near my driveway. It's spring, I keep excitedly looking for blooms. And I notice a big white Buick SUV in the middle of my driveway blocking both spots for my car which my husband was using since I was home and my roommate's spots. Honestly, why would you park in someone's driveway? So on top of these entitled parents blocking up our small residential road, this person decided to take up a private residence's driveway. I got on the phone with the non-emergency police line and took pictures of the vehicle and plates. Then I got my husband's keys and backed his vehicle up to block the SUV into my driveway and I waited. 50 minutes later, the mum, Bug eye sunglasses, big old diamonds on her jewelry, and wearing athleisure, and she comes around to hop in the driver's seat and smiles and waves at me, sitting on my steps. Honestly, she probably thought I was the homeowner's kid or something, as I'm in my early 20s, atypical for a homeowner. Hi, hope you don't mind, she said. You're trespassing. Why would you park in a private driveway? Sorry, I won't do it again. We were just leaving. She was being really dismissive and avoiding eye contact, despite taking the sunglasses off. 
I don't care. You have no right to park on my property. I'm on the phone with the police. It was just for a second. I was just picking up my daughter. It doesn't matter. You don't live here. You don't park here. At this point, I realize the non-emergency police aren't going to pick up. So I hang up and decide to screw with her a bit. She got in her SUV and dismissively waved at me. So I got in my vehicle that was blocking her in and waited, pretending to still be on the phone. She starts trying to back out of my driveway because there was a little bit of a gap between my utility van and my neighbor's car but it was definitely too small for this Buick. I'd like to point out that this vehicle has a scuffed front bumper, so I had a feeling she has no spatial awareness outside of her backup camera. Every time she backed up, I honked, still pretending to be on the phone. She tried again, I honked again. She looked at my grass, and I was about to start recording her in case she tried to go through my front yard, and I honked again. If she kept trying to back out and hit my big utility van, she would certainly lose. She then gets out of her SUV and comes up to my van, recognizing that she can't do anything without making it far worse for herself. Her face was visibly patchy from the distress, and she asked again, Are you really calling the police? Yes, you're illegally parked on my private property. That is illegal. I don't care if it's for five seconds. Don't freaking do it. You don't live here. Her kid then got out of the car and I decided that was enough. So I waited for her to get back in her SUV and I parked my van back in its rightful spot and I let her out. After that, I called the school and gave them the license plate number. Nothing would probably come of it, but I don't think she'll park in someone's driveway again anytime soon. I'll take the jerk points because there's a child involved, but you shouldn't put your child in situations like this anyways. My mum invoiced me and my sister for the expenses of raising us. Our household always revolved around money, even though my mum made more than enough money and we were not struggling by any means. She complained about every single thing she had to buy for us. Everything. Food, clothes, medical expenses, toys, laptops and phones, school costs, everything. We always knew exactly how much we were costing her. We didn't dare ask for unnecessary things like leisure activities or expensive toys or hobby supplies. We started working very young and she manipulated and guilted us to give her all the money we earned to pay off what we owed. When I turned 18, she completely cut me off financially, but kindly offered to let me rent my bedroom out from her and sent me an invoice of every cent I've ever cost her, totaling over $700,000. She billed me for Christmas and birthday presents. She even billed me for her medical expenses for the pregnancy and delivery and wanted me to back pay rent to live in the house from birth. She did the same to my sister two years later when she turned 18. We were supposed to pay her back over time starting the day we turned 18. Both of us were still dealing with a lot of internalized guilt from her constant manipulation, so we actually did pay for a while. Aside from necessary expenses, our entire paychecks were going to her. We rented our bedrooms in her house, and she separated her food, cleaning supplies, cookware, and tableware, etc., from ours, and charged us to use them. She generously included the use of the household appliances in our rents. It wasn't until I was 21 and my sister was 19 that enough people had told us this whole arrangement was un hinged and we finally snapped out of it we moved out together and have stopped paying our mum or even contacting her at all wow imagine being charged seven hundred thousand dollars for simply being born into this earth and raised by your mother a choice that you don't have by the way 
incredible. I don't even know what more I can say to this other than it's absolutely mental. And I'm glad that even though you did have to pay it off for a little bit of time, you're now out of that arrangement pretty quickly and you no longer speak to your absolute witch of a mother. Now, before we get into our next story, let's talk about hair. For a lot of men, losing their hair can mean losing their confidence. For me personally, my hairline isn't the strongest and over the past couple of months, it's definitely played on my mind. Of course, the world is full of handsome bald heads, but let's be honest, we'd all prefer it if we could just keep our hair, right? This is where Roman, the kind sponsor of today's episode, comes in. Roman makes it easy to treat hair loss with a range of oral prescription and over-the-counter topical treatments. As you can see on screen right now, the results really do speak for themselves. Importantly, the sooner a person starts treatment for hair loss, the easier it is to keep the hair they already have. Sometimes though, you can even regrow some of the hair that's been lost. 70% of men reported increased hair growth after just four months of minoxidil treatments. That's part of Roman's science-backed proven plans, available online with fast free shipping in discreet packaging. Personally, I can't think of anything worse than going down the transplant route later on in life. The ability to avoid surgery by just starting now is incredible. So go to row.co slash Redditor today to get started and get your first month of treatment completely free. That's ro.co slash Redditor, row.co slash Redditor. My entitled ex-family shows up at my job. Hey Reddit fam, with the title of this one, you know it's a clusterfuck. This happened Friday night and I've been struggling to put into words just how insane it was. My ex-in-laws and my ex showed up at my freaking job during the biggest event of the year. Every year at my job, there is a Christmas themed party. The dancers dress up as sexy elves, my boss dresses up as Santa, the bartenders dress up as reindeer, and the bouncers dress up as snowmen. The place is beautifully decorated as a winter wonderland, with a huge throne for my boss to sit on and custom poles for the dancers to dance around him. It's a huge thing at my job, and it's always one of the highest grossing nights of the year. It's advertised all over town that people can come, get their pictures taken with us, sit on Santa's lap, and enjoy a fun evening with custom Christmas music made by a DJ. We even have Christmas-themed drinks, guys, and they're so good. I was so excited for it because I started working there this year. So it was my first time being part of this event. I was dancing that evening. So I was dressed up as a sexy elf. I was feeling great. It was pretty late into the evening around midnight when this incident took place. I was dancing on stage when out of nowhere, I heard the shrieking sound of my ex-mother-in-law crying. I turned around and there they were. My ex-mother-in-law, my ex-father-in-law and freaking Bill. My ex-mother-in-law was slapping at Bill's arm and pointing at me. I couldn't make out what she was saying over the music. All I could hear was the shrill sound of her voice. I started looking around for Kyle, my boyfriend. I couldn't see him, but I did see other bouncers, so I waved at them, trying to get their attention. We have a special wave that when a bouncer sees it, they know to come running. Bill comes to the stage and starts shouting at me while the men around him were waving cash at me. He tells me to come down and to come with him, that I was bringing shame to his family. I ignored him. I saw a couple of bouncers heading for us, so I kept dancing, believing I was saved. That was protocol. Call the bouncer and keep working to avoid making a scene. It was then that I felt someone grab my ankle and pull. In my panic, I fall and let out a scream. I look up and it's Bill. He'd pulled himself onto the stage and grabbed me. I start kicking at him with my other foot until the bouncers finally got there and pulled him away from me. I feel someone else grab me and I screamed again, but when I looked up, I saw it was Kyle. 
Bill and my ex-in-laws were taken into the office while I was taken backstage to ride out the panic attack. Carl held me until I calmed down. The police were called and I got to watch as Bill was forced into the back of a police cruiser in handcuffs. He's being charged with public disturbance, assault, and trespassing. My boss was talking to my ex-in-laws, telling them not to come back and warned them the police would be called if they did. Despite how angry he was, my boss was pretty calm and polite. I then heard my ex-mother-in-law shouting about how she was going to take me to court to take my children away from me because a godless woman like me wasn't fit to be a mother. I couldn't take hearing that and I rushed at her. Carl had to grab me and stop me, but I was screaming at her that she was a psychopath and she would never get her hands on my kids again. That she'd raised a lying, cheating, emotionally abusive scumbag. She raised her hand to slap me, but the bouncers and police got between us. She and my ex-father-in-law got into their car and drove off after being threatened with arrest. After Karma had been restored, we all went back inside and resumed the party. I made good money that night. Even Samantha, my job's entitled gossiper, couldn't deny what Bill and my ex-in-laws did was crazy. Over the weekend, I got a call from someone claiming to be Bill's ex-girlfriend, the one he cheated on me with. I asked her how she got my number and she said she had her ways. She said she decided to call me after Bill called her begging to get bailed out. She told me that during their relationship, my ex-mother-in-law treated her terribly and compared me and her in a lot of ways and always acted like she wasn't good enough. She was relieved when they went to Greece, believing her and Bill's relationship could be salvaged at that point. But she was wrong. Bill would also talk about me a lot. And she was also crying about being compared to his ex. When I got the job at the club, his behavior became more erratic. She told me that she confronted him after he was thrown out of the club because word travels fast and she heard about the whole thing. He got angry and slapped her and then threw her out of his house. She got him arrested and he was fired from his job as a result. I thanked her for the information and promptly told her never to call me again. She asked me why and I told her that she had no issue cheating with Bill and hurting his wife and kids and that she was only calling me to get back at him for what he's done to her. I hung up and blocked her. I plan to go file for a restraining order today, but now I'm armed with more information that will make the process so much easier and go so much faster win for me and there we go that is the end of the first post of this episode however the post that i'm about to read you is actually a continuation of this story because believe it or not more actually happens as a result of this now i've got to say when i read the title of this i thought okay it doesn't sound too bad i didn't think that your ex's family showing up to your job could possibly go as badly as this it's great to see that there was some justice in the end but as i said this is just the beginning here is an update to this post update ex-mother-in-law got arrested Hey Reddit fam, I wanted to come on here and give a little update into everything going on. For the people new to my story, I'm in general a magnet for entitled, trashy, and psychotic people. Yeah, guys, I've read more posts from this user before, not related to the incident I just read. And let me tell you, they attract a lot of entitled people. That is for sure. I don't know what it is about me that draws them in, but they flock to me like moths to a flame. My mother is Beazle and then the B word for those who know me. That is what OP calls their mum. In the last post, you guys all saw how my ex-in-laws and ex-husband, Bill, showed up to my job during the biggest event of the year. I am an exotic dancer and bartender at my current job if that wasn't obvious My ex is bitter that i'm now in the best shape of my life and I look damn good compared to when he and I were together I'm dating an amazing guy named kyle and my kids are doing great on to the crazy So after my ex-in-laws were banned from my job, I sought the counsel of an attorney I didn't want to wait it out anymore in hopes that they would just go away like I have in the past 
I'm going for the jugular with this, so to speak. I filed for an emergency restraining order, citing my kids and I aren't safe around my ex-mother-in-law and my ex-husband. My ex-father-in-law is just a shell that lets my ex-mother-in-law get away with stuff and doesn't put her in her place. My restraining order was granted temporarily within 24 hours, thanks to all of the evidence I was able to provide. My ex-in-laws and Bill were both served that very same day. We had a hearing on the 23rd where I was able to plead my case and the judge got to see all of the evidence I had proving why Bill and my ex-mother-in-law are dangerous for me and my kids. My ex-mother-in-law tried to pull a classic tactic of crying and wailing whenever I talked so the judge would have to stop the proceedings to tell her to shut the frick up. Eventually, I got through what I wanted to say and showed what I wanted. Then my ex-mother-in-law and Bill were given the chance to say their piece. My ex-mother-in-law shushed Bill and completely stuck her foot into her mouth by blabbering on about religion and how God is judging me for not coming home to my husband's rule. The man is the Lord, while the woman is the subservient slave to his will, and I will burn in hell for not honoring our marriage. The judge reminded her that Bill and I are legally divorced, and my ex-mother-in-law shouted at him that no power on earth has the right to sever a marriage that is morally and spiritually binding forever. I was chosen to be Bill's wife by God, and I will honor it or there will be consequences the judge asked her what she meant and my ex-mother-in-law tried to play coy and said op will see the judge then asked bill to say his piece bill looked uncomfortable he tried to stand up but his mum grabbed his arm and told him to sit down the judge threatened to hold her in contempt and she let go grumbling at him bill then stood up and moved away from his mum. he started ranting about how crazy she is and that he didn't want to be there He thought he could manipulate me into sleeping with him, but he got tossed out on his butt when he tried and he gave up then and there. His mum is the one that is doing all of this and he wants no part of it anymore. His life is ruined because everything he's done has been in an attempt to appease her and it's blown up in his face. He then begged the judge to uphold the restraining order because his mum has told him that she plans to hurt me if I didn't comply with her demands. He said she was dangerous and unhinged and suggests she needs some kind of psychological help. His mum was freaking speechless, but one couldn't deny the look of absolute guilt plastered on her face. Turns out she does need psychological help. My ex-father-in-law then stood up and asked to say a few words. The judge agreed because he looked to be entertained by the three ring circus playing out in front of him. He went up to the stand besides Bill and confessed to the judge that my ex-mother-in-law is suffering from the effects of dementia and it's been a closely guarded secret between them for the past two years. My ex-mother-in-law was receiving treatment but stopped when Bill and I moved away from the old states. Since then, she's gotten worse and he fears what she will do if left allowed to roam free. They've always been religious, but when my ex-mother-in-law stopped treatment, she began experiencing psychotic episodes and illusions of grandeur. He also confessed that if I'd agreed to let them take my youngest to Greece, my ex-mother-in-law had no intention of bringing him back. My jaw hit the floor. My ex-father-in-law looked at me and pleaded for forgiveness for not putting a stop to the insanity sooner. Bill also apologized for the hell he'd put me through, stating he'd been an idiot and hoped that I could forgive him. Everything seemed to fall into place and things made sense. I never mentioned it, but I did notice whenever I saw my ex-mother-in-law, she'd be forgetful, stare off into space, she seemed confused at times, and sometimes she didn't know who people were. I just thought it was an act to avoid dealing with people. It was then that I heard my ex-mother-in-law shrieking. She got up and ran at my ex-father-in-law and began beating on him until the bailiff pulled her off of him. She was put into cuffs and the judge ordered her to undergo 90 days in a psychiatric treatment facility. She screamed, wailed, and kicked as she was carted out of the room. The restraining order was granted for a year. 
I was completely numb and had no reaction when the verdict was given. I was confused and gobsmacked out of my freaking mind at what I just heard. I almost didn't believe it even happened and I wondered if that edible I ate beforehand to calm my nerves was screwing with my head. I spoke to my ex-father-in-law after court. He's taking Bill back home to the old state to help him get back on his feet. He promised me that he and Bill will never bother me again and once my ex-mother-in-law is released, he will ensure she doesn't either. I went home and hugged my kids and we went out to look at Christmas lights that night. So there you go. That is the end of that one. Uh, if you thought the first post was a bit mental, wow. Just imagine, picture right now in your head, this mother-in-law in court just going completely mental not even letting her own son speak when it is directly about him very very strange and yeah the more i think about it and the more i read there the more i realize that it's probable that it's just this woman that's behind everything and she is the main issue here now i get it she has dementia that is obviously a big shock however there's a difference between having dementia and being a horrible person right like dementia doesn't make you horrible sure it can make you extremely confused and forget things because that's obvious but it doesn't make you go mental at your son's ex and just completely try and ruin their lives that doesn't really link up i'm very happy to hear that you and your kids had a good christmas and honestly despite the fact that this woman is just mental i hope she gets the help that she clearly very much needs now although that is the conclusion of that story for now at least we do have one more now the title of this one is gonna shock you kicked out of a restaurant for breastfeeding I am a 17 year old woman and I feel so humiliated. I can't believe I'm writing this So a couple of days ago, I went on a walk with my baby to a park on the way back I was pretty hungry and stopped by this cafe place for a quick buy and ordered a soup I pay and sit at a table then my baby gets fussy and I know it's time for her to eat I had a bottle packed but realized I accidentally left it at home. So I just gave her the boob Then I hear a lady go are you serious? I didn't think anyone was talking to me, so I minded my business. Because that's what you do when nobody's bothering you. Then I felt some harsh tapping on my shoulder, and the same lady going, Excuse me? Annoyed someone's hitting my shoulder, I turn around and go, Excuse you? Karen's like, That's inappropriate. You need to stop. I'm like, Stop what? She says, Are you freaking stupid? Of course you are. That's probably why you have a baby so young. That was a good one. I'll give her that. She says something about this being a public place and she doesn't like that I'm exposing myself in front of her husband who's sitting at the table next to us watching his wife act stupid and I should go to the bathroom to take care of that or something. And I shouldn't bring a newborn baby. My baby is obviously too big to be a newborn out in public anyway because of Corona and stuff. She wasn't even wearing a mask and was all up in my face. So obviously not that concerned about Corona. And also guys, this was posted just a few days ago I don't know about you, but I feel like Corona is kind of done now. Now look, I'm not going to go to the bathroom because that's weird. And I'm not leaving because I'm waiting on my soup. I tried to politely tell her I'm not leaving. And if she's worried about Corona, she should back up away from me and my baby. And everyone can mind their business like normal people. She says, okay, I'm telling. Sorry, is she two? How mature? She walks off and I look over at her husband. And he says, you should be more modest. I just cringe at him and look away because I'm not about to argue with a grown man. The manager eventually comes over and says I need to stop or leave. I'm kind of mind blown because I thought kicking someone out for breastfeeding was illegal, but apparently not. I said, well, she's hungry and she's going to cry if I stop. And I'm not leaving because I'm waiting on my soup, which they said would take 20 minutes because of something going on or whatever. And at this point, there's at least 15 minutes left. So can I get a refund? He said they don't do refunds, but you can give me restaurant credit like a gift card or something. 
but I'm definitely not going back there. So I'm not gonna need that. And I just left. Of course, Karen mumbled a few things about me being in slur here or whatever to the manager. And I told her to shut up. Then she started screaming, but I walked out the door before I could hear her to raid on me and the manager stopped her from following me. I'm in Los Angeles, by the way, which isn't a really conservative area. But yeah, my first experience with a Karen. Okay, that's the end of that one. Now I've got to say this one is extremely controversial. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see that I've got the comments up on screen right here. There's a lot of information in these comments about what has exactly happened here and how what actually occurred is not only illegal, but downright disgusting as well. So first comment right here, breastfeeding is allowed in public in all 50 states in america you'll find lots of information here if i'm successful with adding this link it does start off mentioning new jersey because that's where i am however it goes on to list important facts that relate to breastfeeding throughout the u.s don't let people like this prevent you from taking care of your child in the way that is best for them and best for you okay so as you can see i'm on the link now breastfeeding state laws and if you come down just to here here we go all 50 states the district of columbia puerto rico and the virgin islands have laws that specifically allow women to breastfeed in any public or private location so there you go it literally says it in writing right here that you're allowed legally so i don't really understand why i've been told to, to leave why i've been kicked out when it's literally written right here that is the law you're allowed to do that therefore what the manager did is actually illegal and i think you need to do something about it all right opie has said as well here i found some info about the owner online i emailed him saying what happened i know the place has security cameras since they have that weird smile you're on camera sign also suing takes some money which i don't have a lot of time to waste being a mum, fine and they can't imagine that they sue and win get a great compensation and the five dollars they pay for the soup content getting the manager fired though that is fair like it's not really in your interest to spam and like put all the effort in just for what a little bit of money that you might get you might not even get that much to be fair as you say but yeah i agree you need some form of like not even physical compensation but justice to be done here because you were not treated fairly and here we go one more comment is linking ll usa la leche league usa they need to be informed of such actions they are the ones who have made it possible for women to feed our children without shame. Please reach out to them. And as you can see, this is all about finding breastfeeding support, commit to helping families reach their nursing goals in any sort of, you know, domain. So it's crazy. I didn't know that that was the law in America because I don't live there. But maybe you guys that are American, when you were like looking and reading along with me right there, were thinking this is not legal. And clearly, something needs to be done. Get in the comments. What do you reckon should happen next? Sort of napkins as a makeshift bandage to hold the blood in. Police asked me what happened. And I say, they tried stealing my bike and found out it's not the same as the video games. They don't know it yet, but I'm pressing charges and they're facing consequences this time. I wasn't really bothered about being nice as they did try stealing my living and my pride and joy. The cops looked stunned by my disregard for the fact that they were dealing with two young people who were seriously injured and the following conversation ensues. The first cop asked, are you sure you want to do that? They're injured and they're just kids after all. Sternly, I said, yes, their age does not negate the fact that they committed serious crimes. The second cop pleaded, but you might screw up their lives. Well, they don't go to school. They commit crimes on the daily and all you do is issue ASBOs, antisocial behavior orders. Time for a few real consequences. Do your job and start reading them their rights. Now the cops didn't like my tone, but they understood my anger and proceeded to read the kid under the bike his rights as the ambulance pulled up. They obviously tended to the unconscious kid first and then one broke off to help the police tend to the kid that was under the bike. As they do, their parents, who had been alerted to the situation after the police called, then showed up. 
driving pretty recklessly and parking in a bus stop. They run in and look at the yob in pain and his friend unconscious. The father asks, why are you arresting them? They're just being stupid kids. We'll pay for the damages, I swear. I states, I'm having them charged because they aren't going to learn any other way. You're also paying for the damage regardless of the outcome of this day. The father then says, I'll only pay for the damages if you drop the charges. A cop says to him, sir, I'd advise you to pay for the damages. It might help him at sentencing. The mother then pipes up and goes, how much time could he get without us paying four years easy i stated the mother went pale she started blubbering going why can't you let him go he's just a kid yeah he's also a criminal and he needs to face the consequences of his actions for once i replied now the phrase i hated most was they're just kids it did nothing but annoy me where i grew up if you screwed up you owned it and took the steps to make amends no excuses even if you were just a kid In my book, the excuse was nothing but a cop-out and the reason that these jobs and their friends felt emboldened to commit non-stop crimes. It was the cheapest form of entitlement and these kids needed to learn a lesson once and for all. In the end, the kid who was unconscious was charged as an accessory to all the crimes of his cohort after waking up from a week-long coma. The other kid was charged with theft of a motor vehicle and vandalism after he got out of the hospital with a broken leg. That was before police started taking complaints in the dozen about them and their friends, all of which were promptly rounded up and charged too. The parents paid for the damages to the bike to help reduce their sentencing and tried arguing that the kid had done enough to appease the law. In total, the kid who tried driving my motorcycle got two years in juvenile detention with a three-year probation. The kid in the coma got six months with 18 months probation. The rest of the kids got anything ranging from hundreds of hours of community service to four years in juvenile detention based upon the amount of crimes they were charged with between the 10 of them they racked up a grand total of 127 charges that they pleaded down to three charges each now some might think that i was harsh in all this but two years on and the two kids who once tried stealing my bike were going to school finally they apologized genuinely for their criminality and are doing better so all in all they learned their lessons and they were set to try and succeed more despite their past behavior moral of the story is when you excuse bad behavior it allows for entitled behavior When you punish it, it can stop people from acting worse before they cross serious lines. Yeah, you know what, OP? I completely agree with you. If you hadn't done something and put your foot down at this moment, who knows what these jobs would have gone on to do. In my opinion, it probably would have gone on to be a lot worse, as you say, and who knows what sort of crimes they could have actually gone and done. You are completely right, though. It's the fact that their parents are saying, no, they're just kids. Come on, let them get away with literally stealing a motorbike. That is the reason why they think they're allowed to do these things. Also, I don't know what's going on the police here just because they're juvenile means the police are like oh come on let's just calm down a little bit here they're just kids as well it's ridiculous to be honest from what you said at the end there it sounds like you did all the kids a favor despite the fact that they have enabling parents who have tried to get them out of trouble and probably have done multiple times in the past but look they're on a good path now and that is thanks to you so fair play so-called grandmother demands i edit the obituary to include her son This happened to me today and I'm still seething. For context, I just lost my mum to lung cancer this past Sunday after getting her home for at-home care just two days prior. I've been taking care of everything since then, including her beloved cat while dealing with my own grief. The funeral home let me write the obituary due to how frazzled I was when we met with them. I only named those who I felt were closest to her, even double-checked with two of those. 
Confident with it, I sent it to their funeral home and they didn't edit it further, posting it on their site immediately. Now to what happened. I decided to take it easy since I'd been running on fumes for the better part of the week, sort of waiting for people to get back to me on some important matters. So while I'm just sort of relaxing with my furry little brother, I get a phone call. Caller ID shows it's my grandmother on my mum's ex-husband's side. I answer and she asks why I didn't name that ex-husband, aka her precious angel. I respond honestly, I couldn't figure out a good way to do so. This so-called relative of mine proceeds to get upset, saying that it will hurt him. Pretty much demands I edit the obituary to include this man who left us when I was three and hardly ever paid child support. A man who hasn't even bothered to get my number and call me to see how I, his so-called daughter, is doing. I calmly explained to her that I couldn't edit it. It's up on their site and out of my hands. She got mad with me and then told me to think about it before hanging up. Thankfully, the rest of the family is on my side and will chew her butt out. Now I have a migraine and feel more exhausted. And no, this isn't the first time she's tried to speak up for her son. The last time she did it around me, I was 16 and I called her out on it. My update if anything interesting comes from this, but don't get your hopes up. Right now, I'm gonna chill. Well, good news, we do have a little update and it's actually quite encouraging. You're gonna wanna sit down, people of Reddit, because I've got an update. So apparently I found this out secondhand. My so-called father found out what she did and chewed her out between being ripped a new one by her precious angel her grandkids and the most respected member of the family the old bat called me to apologize take that as you will i'm calling it a win wow would you look at that a lesser spotted actual apology from an entitled person would you believe it i can't quite i mean let's not get it twisted it's absolutely what should have happened in this moment but still to actually see it on r slash entitled people i can barely believe my eyes Let's carry on. Rage at me for 30 minutes? Get time with police. So, I'm in my 60s. My grandniece is turning 20, doing ridiculously well in college. And I bought her lunch and a tank of gas at the local sandwich shop, convenience store, while she had time passing through between home and college. If she makes the dean's list, I pay 90% or more of her student debt. And I give her cash for expenses if she keeps her grades up and stays out of trouble. I'm in a position to do this, and I have been for all of my nieces and nephews and grandnieces and nephews. We kept getting the side eye then outright stares from a four-person group of middle-aged women a couple of tables over my grandniece gave me a hug and kiss on the cheek told me she loved me and went out to fill her tank while i went up to the counter to wait until she hung up the pump so i could pay we drove separately and i wasn't in any particular rush to get anywhere these women then came to the counter and freaked out calling me everything from a pedo to a sugar daddy accusing me of human trafficking and i made the mistake of engaging long enough to tell them it was my grandniece so then it turned into insane pedophile human trafficker i wouldn't say anything after that there's no point at all in arguing with idiots but they actually blocked the door so i couldn't leave and raised such a commotion that the convenience store people called the police but they wouldn't call the police so when a police officer got there they mobbed him i had to wait until two other officers showed up to give my story then i called my grandniece and let the officer talk to her It took about 25 minutes before the police showed up and another 50 minutes for me to be free to leave But the hysterical woman was still blocking the door The officer finally threatened to put them in handcuffs before they unblocked the door so I could leave I filled out a complaint suggested by one of the officers for unlawful detainment unlawfully detained I don't know how this will go But why not since they screamed bloody murder detained me for almost an hour Raised hell in the convenience store for an hour and did this in a small town. I have to live in why are people this delusional? Delusional, talking and laughing, driving away in her own vehicle, getting a side hug and kiss on the cheek makes me a pedophile or human trafficker. 
no matter what the police told them they wouldn't stop do these type of people have nothing better to do there you go answer your own question was it rhetorical we'll never know but uh, I've answered it for you, my friend. Uh, I'm just reading through the comments and someone has said that, why didn't you just call 911? Help, I'm being held against my will. I can't leave. These women keep screaming how I deserve to die, etc., etc." OP replied, they left their phone in their vehicle. That is tough because yeah, the obvious answer would be just to say, look, what's going on here? Can you come and sort this out? But if you have no phone, what are you going to do? OP also said they're 6'5", 230 pounds and still in relatively good shape for their age. So they could have gone through them like butter, but instead they just backed up and let them look crazy. That is the thing to do because if you start getting physical, then that is an issue. And you unfortunately potentially end up in the wrong there. I just imagine these women screaming assault. You know, they're already saying some crazy incestual pedophilic things. Who knows? They could easily jump to assault, couldn't they? If you start getting physical. So fair play for just being chill and you got your you got your justice in the end entitled ex-friend threatens to sue me for my uterus my ex-friend is commonly called a karen she's very entitled and has a bad habit of actually screaming for managers over the smallest things i've watched this 35 year old woman scream get me the manager or i will call the cops at a restaurant because the waiter accidentally gave her iced tea instead of sweet tea what are the cops gonna do? I don't want to use her name Karen because it's overused already. So let's call her Emily. Emily and I used to be friends. I can't remember why. She comes off as sweet and caring, but she's the most entitled person I've ever met. Emily also struggles with fertility and is desperate for children. She tried to adopt a child, but because of her mental health problems and unstable lifestyle of hotel hopping, she was denied. She doesn't have a job. She's technically homeless. Her boyfriend is a 21-year-old douchebag, and she tends to hoard animals that all die in unusual circumstances. Her last cat died mysteriously at only two years old and was perfectly healthy. I was there when she adopted him and heard the vet state he was healthy. But suddenly he dies and she claims it was heart disease, then claims it was a seizure, then claims it was kidney problems, then says that he somehow flew across the room and purposely aimed into the wall. Yeah, a little suspicious. My other friend Kara did call animal control on her and found she had six rats, five hamsters, one dog, and four cats she claimed all of them were emotional support animals and that they were medical equipment and taking them away would be against the law big yikes she is not well a while ago she was saying how desperate she is to have children and was talking about looking for a surrogate she wanted someone to carry a child for her for free with a list of demands for the surrogate all for free now all of us but her know that isn't free human incubators isn't a free service and mistreating anyone in that job is a good way to be in a legal battle i listened because well me explaining the truth to her would be like me placing my head in a garbage disposal completely pointless and 100 percent painful i make a comment how one day uterine transplants might become more successful and more common and how great that would be I bring it up because I'm not entirely in love with my uterus. I don't plan on ever having children and I'm not against the idea of uterine donation. I still cannot find a doctor that would take away my baby making abilities because I'm too young to make such a decision. I'm 27. I feel like if I wanted to change my mind, I would have before now. Not the point, sorry. I make the joke of me wanting to donate my uterus to someone who needs and deserves it since I have no plans on using its baby holding abilities. That's when Emily says, yeah, then I would have you give me your uterus so I could finally have a child. Now, I thought she was joking. I truly believe this was a joke. It wasn't. Emily and I had a falling out, thank goodness. And I thought we could just part ways quietly. 
Yeah, she had other plans. She posts all over Facebook and pings me saying I had made a legal agreement to give her my uterus or to be her surrogate. Never once did I say such things. And now she has her friends after me, harassing me in DMs for giving her false hope and mental anguish. Emily's threatening to sue me for my uterus and for causing extra trauma by not following through. I'm just confused and baffled. I'm also curious, how can she afford a lawyer if she can't afford food for her many animals? A lawyer suddenly cheaper than I recall? But also, last time I checked, you can't be sued to give up a body part, can you? Especially if no legal agreement was ever made, right? I'm lucky to have a lawyer family friend. He's agreed to help set me up with a meeting with a colleague of his if this turns serious. I'm doubtful it will, but Emily is definitely having a public meltdown over our friendship ending. Oh, and yeah, I wish this was a fake story. I wish I was lying here. This person is not mentally sound and she's threatened people over the most ridiculous things. This isn't a new behavior for her. In the past, she threatened to call CPS on someone online over a disagreement. She bragged about doxing the person's address to me and boasted about calling CPS on them for spending more time disagreeing with me than watching their child. This person Emily was threatening was a mother of a 14-year-old. It wasn't like she was neglecting attention to an infant or toddler or even a young child. Yeah, listen, maybe I shouldn't say this, but honestly, I don't know if Emily is entirely titled or like mentally unstable and i know i'm not in a position to to actually state that but just based on what i'm seeing there that lady is a little bit dodgy and i wouldn't want to go anywhere near her i mean i mean all i can say to uop is knowing that she is actually mental maybe you should have actually said nothing at all while she was venting about i don't know her surrogacy or needing a surrogate or wanting to become a mother what is going on with her pet situation by the way that is actually serious how is a cat dying after two years just randomly and how is their means of death changing four or five times ending up with them throwing themselves into a wall like let's be honest we all know what's going on there and the more i speak about this right now the more i'm realizing how serious that is uh, yeah like what is this woman doing i think either she's going to end up getting seriously hurt by herself or in prison one of the two and i don't know what's going to happen but give me an update soon i don't know it's kind of weird preying on someone's downfall i'm not doing that but i would love to know what happens next with emily that's for sure i mean hopefully she just gets some help that's what she really needs parents told my brother that he could take my house and i could just live in the camper in the backyard because i'm single and he has a wife and kids i want everyone here that this is going to be very long i also really don't care who believes this it's just so crazy that i don't blame anyone who calls bs i won't argue about it but this happened to me i also really don't care if anyone in my family sees this i'm not going to sugarcoat anything but i'm also not going to reveal any details that would clue anyone into who i am that doesn't already know me i'm a single man in my early 30s i've got a brother who's 29 and he's already got four kids he had his first at 22 and the second followed a year later then the third two years after that and the fourth was born recently just a couple of months ago his wife my sister-in-law and i do not get along as she always likes to try and get a rise out of me by acting superior then she turns into an extreme self-victimizing drama queen if i retaliate against her in any way she can cry in an instant and can put on an extremely convincing show to get sympathy from just about anyone my parents and brother absolutely adore her even though they know exactly how she really is but they just don't care she is very good looking i'll give her that but she's so awful that i could never really be attracted to her she also refuses to get any sort of job even though she has a college degree and my mother willingly helps with the kids all day 
So the finances are entirely dependent on my brother This also means they can't afford to live anywhere but my parents house and privacy is a bit of an issue with all of them under one roof In a three-bedroom house that was built in the 60s growing up My younger brother was also the obvious favorite We're three years apart in age But he developed a superiority complex because I was badly punished if I retaliated against his antics in any way back then It was obvious that my parents cared for him a lot more because he got the lion's share of everything unless people called them out on it Which did happen a fair bit by other members of family Which is why my parents packed us all up and moved us about 150 miles away from them So they generally only would see us on holidays since it was a three-hour drive My brother got physically abusive towards me on a number of occasions Flirted relentlessly with my first girlfriend to the point she broke up with me And laughed at any misfortune I had and my parents just told me to suck it up whenever I was upset about it I only got equal treatment when my parents wanted to keep up appearances I admit it was rather funny to see the looks on their faces whenever they had to treat me equally to my brother on birthdays and christmas Because other people were present We had relatives that were very nosy and loved gossiping drama So my parents did their best to hide what was really going on and threatened to take all my stuff away If I didn't keep my mouth shut If anything, it just made my parents celebrate more when I turned 18 and moved out because it meant they no longer had to provide for me. I wasn't even done with high school yet when I moved out, but couch surfing was far better than living with them. I've been low contact ever since leaving home. They didn't even show up for my high school graduation, but I really didn't care. From that point on, I would usually only see my parents and brother on holidays like the rest of the family. The start of the 2020 pandemic was not kind to me. I lost my job and couldn't renew the lease on my condo because my roommate also lost his job and neither of us could afford the place on unemployment money. It was a rented two-bedroom condo that I really loved. As the lease was ending, my roommate left early to move back in with relatives and I had to sell nearly all of my stuff because I was going to be homeless if I didn't downsize to an extreme. I really shouldn't have rented a place that was so expensive, but I liked living the high life until that life wasn't kind to me. And I realized I should have been living somewhere far cheaper so I could have saved more money to fall back on But I had a plan. I own a truck simply for the fact that i've always loved trucks So I found a $1,000 camper in good shape and put it on my truck just so I could live out of it for a while It was supposed to be temporary, but I ended up living out of it far longer than I ever thought I originally was hoping to be able to live out of the camper at my parents house where my brother and his family still reside as well But when I asked my parents to let me stay for a while, they told me they had a full house and didn't want me there. Plus, we hadn't exactly gotten along in the past decade. They said they'd only agree to let me park my camper there if I paid them basically what it would cost to rent an apartment in my area. That was way too much just to park my camper. I was jobless and trying to save as much of my unemployment money as I could till I could find a new job. I may as well be living in an apartment with that rent price they were asking My parents called my camper an eyesore and told me to take a hike since we couldn't come to an agreement And my sister-in-law thought it was absolutely hilarious that I had to live in a camper My brother joined her in pointing at and mocking me while calling me a homeless bum I parked my truck camper in a store parking lot to sleep on the first night that I had nowhere else to go I felt scared out of my mind that someone might try to break in Suffice to say I didn't sleep well that night There was nowhere else I could go as any other relatives that owned houses were fairly far away And all my friends were all apartment people And I was pretty attached to my area as well So I didn't just want to leave I'd also had my mail forwarded to a friend's apartment It was the only way I could still get my mail anymore Finding a stable place to park was pretty difficult. I went looking around to try and find a job similar to my old one It took months of living the nomadic camper life and in that time I had to deal with a lot Everything from beggars and drug addicts to people demanding I leave because my camper was an eyesore At one point someone who told me to move claimed to be with an HOA 
I wasn't even parked on a street with houses and when I questioned which hoa They got incredibly belligerent and threatened me I moved my camper anyway just to avoid the trouble in order to have a steady supply of electricity I learned to use a long extension cord to plug in anywhere I could to recharge my camper batteries This meant sneaking around and plugging it into an outside outlet of a random building while parked on a street I know that's a crummy thing to do, but I had to keep my batteries charged so my refrigerator would stay cold. I had a small solar power bank for recharging my phone, but I didn't have anything like a generator. And generators are noisy and require fuel anyway, so I did what I had to do. After months of living like that, I finally managed to get a new job. I had to move to the neighboring city to find a job that didn't involve retail. I worked retail while in college, and I promised myself never again though I was nearly ready to break that promise. I was still getting unemployment money, but I had no stable place to live while receiving it. And I didn't want to still be jobless when it ran out. Plus, I was bored out of my mind. I had little else to do but read, watch movies on a small portable DVD player, use my phone or laptop, and keep note of where I could park and what local public bathrooms I could use. I kind of envy that the Japanese have public bathhouses. We could really use stuff like that over here. When I finally landed a new job, I practically lived in the back lot of the building by the warehouse in an old employee parking space. Literally no one else seemed to bother using because they were so far in the back that the area was borderline forgotten. My boss or the company owner actually liked this arrangement because I was willingly available to take any shift I could get so long as I had enough sleep. He even let me take the camper off my truck and set it up in one of the spaces so I could drive around without it. Not exactly sure if this was legal, but no one bothered us about it. The entire time I lived back there, I didn't have to deal with many trespassers. There were a few, but the security guards escorted them out. I was pretty much on call almost all the time when they needed me and was working virtually every day of the week. My boss let me plug my camper into the building for power and water, and I paid a small amount of rent by working for free on Sundays when no one else was in the office but the janitor and security guard. Beyond that, I usually had to shower at a friend's apartment or at my local gym as the camper didn't have a shower in it and only a portable toilet. And I didn't want to fill it because emptying it is a nasty chore. So I used other bathrooms as often as I could. I had a key to the warehouse and I could go in to use the bathroom there at any hour. I was even on a first name basis with the night security guard. He's since become one of my closest friends. The camper was easy to heat in the winter with a small electric heater. Summers were not fun though. The camper didn't have AC, so I had to get a used portable air conditioner just to make it bearable. I made a lot of overtime pay and hands-on learned some new skills from other employees. Eventually, midway into this year, I landed a better position in the company as a supervisor and started making a better salary than my old job. That's when I decided that I wanted a house. The scare I'd gotten from losing my condo made me realize that I needed something much more stable for the long term. I looked around for something close to my work and just two miles away found a three-bedroom manufactured home on a small property. But I managed to get it for $10,000 less than the asking price somehow. I used nearly my entire savings for a down payment and got approved for a home loan. I finally didn't have to live in a camper anymore. There was enough space for me to back my truck in behind the house to take the camper off to set it up in the backyard. So I put it there as its own little building just in case I want to use it again. When I was fully settled into the house, I was dumb enough to brag about it on my book of faces. My family saw the post, and that's where this stuff really starts. After a few weeks, my parents and brother, along with his family, came to visit, completely unannounced, to have a tour of my home. I didn't even give them my address, so how they found out where I live, I still don't know. None of my friends have fessed up, and no prior family members visited me before that. So I wonder if they stalked me at work and followed me home or something. 
it really wouldn't surprise me. Once I opened the door, they practically all shoved their way in like rambunctious tourists, then just started making themselves at home. They all kept poking around and my sister-in-law had this creepy smirk that she was repeatedly flashing at me. And it was only later that I figured out why. And it made me madder than a bull on steroids that just got stung by a hornet. My parents were constantly talking about how I've got so much extra space now. And it's too much for someone like me who has no wife or kids. Sure, not now, but maybe someday. And my brother kept remarking about how there was more space than our parents' house and that my house was closer to his job too. Red flags all around, I know. Eventually, my brother asked me to speak privately. Everyone else suddenly left the room and piled out onto the front porch. That's what finally made me realize that they'd been planning something. My brother, let's call him Dan for the sake of simplicity, said the house was too much for me alone. And I should let him move in with his family because his wife is pregnant with kid number four. And my house is much closer to his job. He pointed out that I already have the camper so I could just live in that outside while they live in the main house. And I'd like to point out that Dan never once spoke of offering rent. Mind you, he's got a good job. He also started talking about how there would be changes and even curfews and that I couldn't just walk in at any time without prior notice. If it weren't my brother, I think the person I was talking to had lost their mind. But Dan lost his marbles long ago thanks to our parents treating him like he was the center of the world. I tried to speak, but he kept talking over me as if I had no say in the matter. There was no way in heck I'd rent my house or parts of my house to him. Other people, maybe, just so I could pay the mortgage off more easily, but certainly not him or his nasty wife. I've heard of this exact kind of situation in videos online many times and never once did I think I'd actually live it because I thought it so ludicrous. But my parents, brother and sister-in-law do all fit the bill for a bunch of narcissistic entitled crazies. So I picked up my phone and set it to start recording then just held on to it. Dan didn't even seem to care or notice that I'd done this and just sat there with his arms waving around while talking about all the reasons as to why he needed my house. Then he went from saying that to acting like it was a done deal and trying to reach out his hand to shake mine. That's when I finally showed my backbone and said, heck no. And I said it loud enough that Dan stumbled backwards for a second. I'd rarely ever raise my voice to him on that level because I was punished by our parents whenever I did. But this was my house, not theirs. My spine could be as shiny as it wants here. I stood up and then told him that my house was not up for grabs and acting like I'll let him move in just because they want it won't make it happen. I bought my house for me and it's not my fault he keeps having more kids and has to keep living with our parents because he can't afford to move out. Dan got as physically close to me as he could without actually touching me and said that I didn't deserve the house and that he needed a better place for his family to live. I laughed back in his face and said that was total BS because I worked hard to be able to buy my house. Of course I deserved it. Dan started yelling that I have no wife or kids and I don't need all the space, so I may as well give it to him. I said I'm not giving him anything and he never even offered to pay me rent. If I let him move in, I'd still be covering the entire mortgage on my house without even being able to live in my own home. Then Dan told me that he shouldn't have to pay rent because his family comes first and our parents said I was going to do this and that I will. I yelled as if their word was law or something and told Dan that they did not have the right or power to give my house to him. Then, right on cue, my parents and sister-in-law barged back in through the front door and surrounded me to try and force me to agree. There was a lot of fighting, but to sum it up from this point on, I heard the line, just do it for Dan, way more times than I can remember. In the fight, I told them they all don't have a say in my life or my house and to get out before I called the cops. Sister-in-law screamed the loudest at me about how she was pregnant again and I can't do this to her. 
I said I did nothing to her. She just assumed that she could take and take from me like I just allow it. I had no obligation to her or her family. Then I called her a stuck up female dog who never had any respect for me. So I don't care what she thinks or how many kids she has. I have no sympathy for her. She won't be living in my house. Well, that made her angry enough to attack me. She got in one good hit on my face and tried to go for more, but my brother held her back, kicking and screaming. She kept demanding he let her go so she could scratch my eyes out. The phone I was holding recorded pretty much everything. So then I held it up and said I was going to call the police if they didn't leave right away. My parents told Dan they were leaving. Then my mother said that I had a week to come to my senses. I told her I wouldn't be and to not come back. Then I told my sister-in-law that my phone recorded everything and if she tries anything, I'll press charges for assaults. She screamed at me and then stormed out loudly, crying with her face in her hands. My mother was the last one out of the door and said that I'd better do this for Dan and my sister-in-law. I responded again by telling her that I wouldn't be. And there we go. A long story indeed, as OP warned, but a great story nonetheless. So much to unpack that I don't really know where to begin. Ultimately, I'm just happy that you put your foot down. Maybe finally, if I'm allowed to say that, in your life. And at last, you've told your family where to go, which, uh, funnily enough, is outside of your house. Now, one thing to look out for is that in the intro of this story that I didn't read out, just a little edit at the start, OP said they were going to be releasing a part two. So it sounds to me like this might actually just be the beginning. And there may be a lot more to come in this story. Perhaps, I don't want to guess, but perhaps the family coming back and trying to invade the home once again. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. And if part two does get posted... I'm going to be on that. Don't you lot worry. But as for now, without seeing part two, all I can say is just get as much security in place as you possibly can, my friend. We're talking cameras. We're talking Rottweilers. We're talking maybe 24-7 security guards. I don't know. At the very least, a lock on your door. That would be ideal. Because these guys, they just seem like they're going to saunter in once again and try the same tactic. And they're probably stupid enough to think it's going to work. It obviously won't. But yeah, just be aware. I mean, I love that I'm telling this guy to be aware of his own family, but at this point, what else can you do? That is all my advice. Gotta say, ultimately, pretty sad that, you know, your brother was favored so heavily over you and is still favored despite the fact that you are now, what, 29? Like, look, I get it. Sometimes there are golden children. I understand that. But you'd hope that after the age of 30, you're in your early 30s, your brother's 29, that would have stopped by now. What is the reason for that? I have no idea. Interesting familial situation. And I'm very much looking forward to part two. Part two of parents trying to take my house for my brother. They broke my locks to move in while I wasn't home. As I stated in the first half of my post, many will find this unbelievable and long. Yes, I am aware there are similar sounding posts online already. I've seen a number of them now. But it's not like those posters have a monopoly on this sort of stuff happening to them. If anything, I'm surprised this site hasn't been better weaponized against this sort of thing since entitled people should be more afraid of getting outed here. But anyway, I do not blame anyone who calls BS. I would too if I was reading this. However, by reading this and my first post, you'll know just how messed up my parents are, as in my life, they were the root of all evil that spawned my brother into the jerk he is today. And never once have they given me a real reason why. And I kind of fear there isn't one. Some people can't explain why they make choices like child favoritism. So it's all they can do to try and stand by the child they backed, which is exactly what my parents try to do. And I've practically destroyed their lives for it. Not in the legal sense, but more an emotional one. 
After I kicked my parents' brother and sister-in-law out for trying to force me to hand over my new house to my brother, I immediately went to my social media and told the story to the whole family. It spread pretty fast, but you won't find it now because it all got deleted some time ago and I put my own profile on private. I posted about it because I knew that the first thing my family would do when they got home is try to twist the event to make me the villain. And I was exactly right, but I had about an hour to get started before them. And I had video evidence to back up my story about what they'd done. No, I don't plan on showing the video here, so don't ask. That is a shame, but I get it. Being preemptive worked because I got a fair number of family members on my side right away. My parents, brother, and sister-in-law must have been all set to write their own posts, but it was too late. So they didn't even bother trying to lie much. My parents, brother Dan, and sister-in-law had a few flying monkeys supporting them, but not much else. Plenty of others knew how entitled they already were. So what happened was something they all quickly understood and accepted. There was one person in particular that called me. I don't know who they were, but they ranted at me that I was a horrible brother and I needed to make way for a real family man. I just ended the call and blocked the number. This didn't repeat. The week went by and my parents showed up with Dan at my front porch, just like they said they would in the prior ultimatum. They rang my doorbell like crazy and also pounded on the door until I finally answered. I opened it just a crack and they tried to shove their way in again But i'd installed a couple of latch chains that prevented it and even braced my body against the door for good measure My father and brother demanded I let them in But I said I was recording everything on camera and I called the police if they tried to force their way in again My mother calmed them down and then in her most sickly sweet tone asked me if I was ready to let my brother move in I told her and the rest of them to f off and never come back My mother put on the crocodile tears and asked me why I can't just do this for Dan because he's my beloved brother. I laughed and then bluntly said, I do not love him as a brother because he treated me like trash for years and they only encouraged him to do so. They are terrible parents and he is a terrible brother. Then I told them to leave or I'd be calling the police ASAP. They all left surprisingly easily, apart from my mother's loud crying and the others giving me dirty looks. One could say making them leave was suspiciously easy. I thought the whole mess was over, but I guess I should have taken them more seriously because they had other stupid plans. I came home later that week on Friday evening to find a moving truck and my brother's minivan parked in my driveway. It was Dan and his family there moving stuff in. He just waved to me with a poopy and grin when I saw him. I was furious and told him and the rest of the family to stop But my sister-in-law smugly said to me that like it or not They were moving in and then in the most fake way while tilting her head and puckering her lips She said that it was okay because my mummy allowed it and I should always listen to what my mummy tells me I seethed with rage just hearing those words and looking at her smug female dog face So I locked myself in my truck to call the cops right away When they realized what I was doing, my sister-in-law started pounding on my window and yelling at me to stop and that I can't do this to her because she and Dan need the house. And she cried, why can't you just do this for Dan? I responded with, screw Dan, it's my dang house, not his. Then she threatened to key the side of my truck unless I stopped calling the police, all of which the 911 operator heard thanks to the window being slightly open. I told my sister-in-law if she damaged my truck i'd sue her and she was smart enough to retreat when the police arrived dan and my sister-in-law with their kids had locked themselves in my house i told the cops what had happened as well as showing them my new driver's license that had my current address on it then when we went to my front door i saw that they changed the lock and the old lock was laying on the porch with the center of it drilled out and the drill they used was lying right next to it with a complete harbor freight drill bit set Could they have been any more stupid leaving evidence out like that? 
I pointed out the broken lock and drill and then gave the police a rundown on all the events that had happened prior. Well, I guess Dan called our parents over at some point after I arrived home because they showed up while I was talking to the cops. My parents immediately lied and started saying that I'd agreed to rent my house to my brother and his family. I said that was an easily provable lie one way or another. So Dan and my sister-in-law finally came out of my house with some papers in hand. They both looked super smug, like they'd somehow outsmarted me. They'd actually drawn up and printed out a fake rental agreement, but my signature was not on it. There was one, but it looked nothing like my handwriting. I don't think any of them had actually ever seen my signature, so that was incredibly stupid on their part. I told my parents and Dan that that was stupidly blatant fraud, and if the cops investigated, they'd easily figure that out. And I don't think going to jail and court would do them any good. It could even make Dan lose his job, which is his only means of providing for his family. I also said I would get a lawyer and sue for damages if anything of mine was lost, stolen, or broken, and that I'd call CPS too for good measure. Dan went white and looked really scared when I said all that, but my mother got between us and doubled down about how I should just do this for Dan and live in the Dan camper so they can finally have a family home to themselves. I yelled at her that if she thought it was such a good idea, she could do it for Dan herself and let Dan have her house to himself instead. The cops separated my mother from me and I said I wanted them all out right now or our press charges. I stated in a shout about how they drilled out my front door lock to break in. The lease papers were obvious fakes, they badly forged my signature, and I have recorded video of my sister-in-law attacking me. Those are felonies that I could screw over their lives with if I wanted to. And if they didn't leave, that is exactly what I'd do. The only reason they hadn't already was for the sake of Dan's kids. So they have one chance to get the F out. The moment my parents heard that, I think it finally clicked that they could not force me to do it for Dan. My mother surrendered and said she put an end to this. Then she went over to my sister-in-law and spoke with her quietly for a minute while my father spoke to Dan. My sister-in-law instantly started loudly crying and ripping up the fake rental papers into tiny bits and tossing them like confetti only to have an officer tell them to pick up the bits of paper or he'd cite them for littering. Both of the cops at this point had a I don't get paid enough for this look on their faces. Dan had to start telling his kids to load their stuff back into the moving truck. The kids were all crying and the eldest was sobbing that he won't get his own room now. My sister-in-law and Dan gathered their kids up to try and make one last pathetic attempt to guilt me with the sad family routine. You know, where they all gather together in a sort of group hug while all facing one direction I swear, I think they've practiced it before. All of the kids had the same pleading look with quivering mouths. My sister-in-law kept rubbing her pregnant belly and tilting her head to look like a sad puppy. And my brother just made the saddest face he possibly could and said, please don't do this. We need to be able to live here. But I didn't falter and told them to keep packing. All the kids and my sister-in-law turned the crying up to 11 and Dan then yelled at me. Are you satisfied with yourself? You've denied us a home because you're too selfish to share and help out family. I ended up laughing like a maniac and retorting that what he was trying to do was taking, not sharing. And no amount of crying will make me let his family move in because he's no brother of mine anymore. He's just an entitled idiot who thinks he can take whatever he wants from me like when we were kids. Dan then started F-bombing me until the cops told him to call it or he'd be in cuffs regardless of if I wanted to press charges. He sucked in his lips and looked a mix of afraid and supremely angry. I asked the cops if they could stick around until my parents, brother, and sister-in-law had all left. And they said they had no intention of going anywhere until this had been resolved. In fact, in the next few minutes, two cops became four as more drove in for whatever reason. That gave my parents some extra incentive to get moving. I made Dan give me the keys to the new lock that he'd put on my front door, though I got another lock the next day anyway because I didn't know if he had copies of the keys or not. He was really reluctant to hand them over. 
Then instead of handing them to me, he actually threw them down the street and into a storm drain while saying to go and get them myself. But one of the cops scolded him for that and made him go and get them. He had to go and pull the grate off just to get them. And he got pretty dirty in the process. When he got the keys back, he just grumbled and then slammed them down into my hand. I then told them all to leave and never come back. My mother said that I'd be disowned for this as if that was some kind of threat to me. And I voiced that to them. Then in an overly sarcastic tone, I said something along the lines of, Oh no, that means I won't get to come to any holidays with you guys where I always get treated terribly by you all anyway because Dan has always been your obvious favorite. You all treated me so badly when I was growing up that if Dan ever needs an organ donor, I wouldn't give him anything. So do like you always told me to do when I was mistreated by all of you and suck it up. My parents were floored after I said all of that and the quartet of cops were looking pretty judgmental at them as well I tell you if you want to put nasty parents like mine on the spot Confront them in front of cops because they'll likely not try anything stupid then my mother just started crying and walking away My father just stood there looking like he wanted to hit me and dan just held his kids in defeat Oh, and my sister-in-law was off having a tantrum on the front lawn soon enough They all formed a line handing out boxes and got their stuff out of my house Nothing had been unpacked yet. So it was all taken out pretty quickly But while doing it my mother kept saying that it wasn't too late and I could still do it for dan several times Each time trying to bargain more and more to try and make me change my mind She said that dan could pay me rent if I let them stay and when that didn't work She said I could move back in with them to let dan rent my house so I wouldn't have to share the building I told her to shut up and keep packing boxes because I don't want Dan or his family around I don't want his money and I certainly don't want to live with him or my parents ever again After the way they treated me when I was a kid making a deal with my parents would be like making a deal with the devil to me My sister-in-law ended up having another tantrum after hearing that and threw a box down Then sat on the ground to have a pity party because she didn't want to go back to sharing a house with my parents And she just sat looking angry and sad until everyone else was finished She didn't even want to get up when it was time to leave. They finally got everything out of the house and into the truck. So before they left, I laid into my parents one last time about all of the stuff they put me through growing up. And with four cops being right there, they couldn't do much other than stand there and take it for once. I called them out on so many things that happened. And I even pointed out how they couldn't just do something nice for me. Like letting me stay over with my camper when I was homeless and trying to get back on my feet. How they let Dan and my sister-in-law ridicule me and call me a bum. Well, who's the bum now? They wanted to kick me out of my own house so Dan could stay in it free of charge. Yet when I needed a place to go, they wanted to gouge me for more than I could afford just to park my camper when they knew I was out of the job. There were more extremely judgmental stares from the cops when I said all of that. So I put my parents on the spot one more time and asked them what I ever did other than being born to deserve being treated so badly. Because when I finally have a little bit of success in life, they want to snatch it away from me for their favorite child since they'd rather I give everything to Dan and have nothing for myself. I bought my house using the money that I earned. I owed them nothing and I won't be asking anything from them ever again. Because clearly I would never be anything more than a doormat or a cash cow in their eyes. I got no answers from them. They just stood there looking like fish out of water. So I continued ranting and asked them what in God's name made them think they were such good parents after all of that. My father was beat red, but more from embarrassment than anger this time. And my mother was crying that she was a horrible person. I bluntly agreed that she is a horrible person. They all are. And I bet they'll go to hell for it too. 
They were trashy people and they all knew it But if I'd called them out on all of this stuff in private instead of in public They just get mad at me and still act like i'm in the wrong They just kept up the denial for so long that it's become a part of who they are My mother buried her face in my father's jacket to cry and my father looked more defeated than i've ever seen him Dan and his family avoided me entirely as they finished putting everything back in the moving truck I made sure nothing of mine was stolen. Not that I'd had a chance to get much furniture yet. I was lucky to even have a couch at that time. They all got back in their vehicles and my sister-in-law just stood staring at me with malice until my brother finally got her to drive the minivan home. And as soon as they were all gone, I got back online again and spilled the beans as to what happened. My parents were too embarrassed to even try and defend their actions this time. And while the family was somewhat split before this incident, it was now a landslide in my favor. Nearly all of the family has sided with me after this incident. And those who haven't simply aren't siding with anybody. No matter how much my parents previously tried the we did it for Dan line, no one listened anymore. So any remaining familial support they had is now gone. Many in the family who I expected wouldn't side with me did. That includes the former flying monkeys. So I guess they've finally had enough. Around that time, I offered to host half the family at next Christmas Eve in my new house. My parents were not invited. I wasn't blocked on my brother and sister-in-law's profile, surprisingly. And I saw my sister-in-law had her fourth baby in early November. They are still living with my parents. I'm pretty sure they knew I was watching because my sister-in-law kept making passive-aggressive posts every couple of weeks or so about not having enough space while living with my parents probably to see if she can still guilt me. And I'm sure it's driving my mother and father up the wall because they aren't getting any peace and quiet in their old age with three rowdy, obnoxious kids, a mentally unstable sister-in-law, my golden child brother, and a newborn baby in the house all at once. Perhaps they could move into a camper in their own backyard and let Dan take over the house completely. They might get some peace then. Yeah, they could do that for Dan. And there we go. OP wasn't kidding. A truly fantastic second part to this amazing story. OP, love it. Fair play. Now, before I even give my comments on what I've just read, look at this on screen right now. OP has said at the bottom of his second post that there was supposed to be more, but this post got way too long. So I'll be posting a part three later. That's right. This story hasn't even finished yet. It sounds like it has, but apparently there's more to come. And I, for one, I'm definitely going to get into part three as soon as he releases it. As for what I've just read, though, part two, I've got to say, OP, the way you handled this for the first time, calling them out in public, amazing. Look, I get it. You had the police behind you and you probably felt pretty confident to really say what you had on your mind in that spot. But it's a good thing you did because as you said, you've never had that experience before where this sort of confrontation hasn't happened in private. So yeah, I can imagine them looking at you with the police behind you. You just ranting at them, telling them how horrible they are. The police thinking, oh my God, are they really this bad? You saying, yeah, and then just cowering. Like what an image. Imagine that. Four policemen down in front, just abusing his parents in a good way i must say insane my parents brother and sister-in-law showed up to christmas at my house when they knew they were unwelcome i was trying to keep things to two posts but i realized while compiling everything that part two was just too dang long so i've divided it into a part three for those who commented on mass to get cameras i will when i can afford it i'm still in financial recovery from buying a house last year and as far as i know good cameras need a decent computer to record to and i don't have anything more than a three-year-old laptop that runs windows 10. yes i am aware of doorbell cams that'll be the first kind i get for those who kept saying that i should have just gotten my brother and sister-in-law arrested the only reason i didn't was because they are parents their kids need them and if dan was arrested he'd likely lose his job and without that his family has no money now my sister-in-law has a baby that's only a few months old right now neither of them need to end up in jail 
but you don't need jail for revenge Police can help. Yes, but I got payback without filing a police report. Would I be this merciful again? More than likely not. And they know it. I decided to wait on making an account and posting until after the new year, just in case more stuff happened. And it did. As previous readers know, my sister-in-law was making passive-aggressive posts on social media that were obviously directed at me. Especially after she had her fourth baby in November. She was posting the same repetitive nonsense over and over again. She just found semi-clever ways of rewording it. But she pretty much kept regurgitating that she was tired of living with my parents. That there isn't enough space. She needs her own house. Blah, blah, blah. I know I sound dismissive, but live through what I have with these people and you'd be ready to sarcastically play tiny violins in front of them too. They're just that bad. Now, since I waited until January to make an account, more happened, just like I thought. I stated before that I'd invited half the family for a Christmas Eve party at my house and everyone I invited all came, even though it was a fairly long drive of around three to four hours for them. But they wanted to come and show me their support. I was praised by them a lot for how hard I'd worked to get a house on my own and that they were sorry for everything I'd gone through. I was asked why I didn't just take my camper and drive the three hours back to them instead of living pretty much homeless for so long. And I had to sheepishly admit that I was very attached to living around here and I had my best employment opportunities in this area. My hometown doesn't have a lot of great job opportunities in my field, if any at all. And I wanted to make my own way as much as I could. An answer they overall accepted. We moved on to having a rather nice party. The best I'd been to in years. Some relatives even brought CDs of great Christmas albums. And I have to say, the one my uncle brought of Ray Charles was my favorite. He sings Christmas songs like no one else I've heard. It was a grand and happy time. I felt like for once, I could just forget my past issues and enjoy the moment. But... I wouldn't be writing this if it had stayed that way. About two hours into the party, you know who showed up. My parents, brother, and sister-in-law popped in trying to look all smiles. They didn't even knock, just walked right in my front door like they were meant to be there. I shut off the music and told them to leave immediately. They begged to stay and said they brought gifts. But one of my uncles stood up and yelled at them before I got another chance to speak. And he said they don't deserve to be in my home all my life after the trash they tried to pull months earlier and he was backed up by several other relatives mind you this guy is my mother's brother and he used to love her to pieces until he found out about all the stuff that went on between me and my parents my grandparents my mother's parents as old as they are hurriedly got in between us and said to my parents that if they want to make amends with me it's far too soon and they've never been more disappointed in them than they were this past year they'd hidden their favoritism for my brother from prying eyes for a long time but nobody was fooled anymore and they needed to make a serious effort to try and actually treat me like a son if they ever wanted to be in my life again then they turned to dan and my sister-in-law and said they've seen the repetitive nonsense my sister-in-law keeps posting they're tired of it and to just let it go already my house will not become their new home my sister-in-law went back to her old standard of crying and had a pity party about how she should be the one living here and not me she plopped down in a chair to have a tantrum and say it wasn't fair i got this house to myself when i have no family of my own and she has four kids that need more space and she just wanted a better place to live in and feel like a real mum. it was petty of me but i loudly pointed out that she sucks as a mother because she lets my mother do most of the parenting while she sits on her butt all day drinking playing on her phone or going out and spending all of dan's money and she has the nerve to complain about it i even joke that i'm surprised her baby doesn't get drunk from her breast milk since she drinks so much booze which I admit went a bit too far as I got some stairs. And my sister-in-law demanded to know if I was calling her a bad mum. 
I said the evidence speaks for itself. And if she wanted to be able to afford to move out of my parents' house someday, then she needs to put her college degree to some use, get a job, and learn to save money. My mother already does most of the childcare for my brother's kids anyway, so she'd have plenty of time after her baby gets a little older. My brother's eldest kid, who's seven years old, ran up to start kicking and screaming at me for yelling at his mum, and he kept at me about how his mum said that I was the bad guy who made her cry and didn't let them live here. That's when my brother grabbed his son to pull him away, but all the other relatives jumped back in, and this sort of turned into a family intervention against my sister-in-law and brother. She was crying, her new baby was crying, her kids were crying. Heck, even Dan was very nearly in tears from the verbal lashing he was being assaulted with. He ended up just sitting on the ottoman I keep shoes in by the front door and looking like a complete wreck. He couldn't look anyone in the eye. He couldn't even say two words to me. Not with a whole house filled with angry people ready to judge him if he tried to let out his inner golden child again. If they weren't there to get in his way, I bet this would have ended up a repeat of when he tried to order me around to try and take my house months earlier. By this point though, he'd been so thoroughly humiliated that his and my parents' reputation in the family was completely destroyed because the masks were all now off. Soon after, my parents, brother, and sister-in-law all left in defeat. The party resumed and we all avoided speaking about what just happened for the rest of the evening. Since most of the adults had been drinking, everyone stayed the night in my house. I even let some of them sleep in the camper so there'd be enough space. I admit, it also makes a good guest house. My relatives all wanted a tour of it earlier as well, and they said they couldn't believe I'd been living in it for around two years. I got a lot of questions about it, like what summer and winter was like, and so on. I was up earlier than everyone else Christmas morning and had a fresh pot of coffee and some ibuprofen for those spiked eggnog hangovers a few of them had. I was complimented on being a way nicer host than my parents ever were, and we all agreed to do this again next Christmas. After Christmas, my sister-in-law did finally stop making posts that were obvious digs at me and deleted all the old ones as well. But shortly after the new year, she more recently made a new post complaining about how she tried to convince my parents to get a camper like I had so it could be set up in the backyard. So then Dan and his family could use the whole house as their family home. Well, a taste of one's own medicine is never fun because my parents turned that idea down vehemently, I hear. No one is going to push them out of their own home, let alone their master bedroom. The post was only up for a couple of days before my sister-in-law removed it and she's hardly posted anything since then. She loves to complain, but if a tree falls and no one is around to hear it, can it still complain? My sister-in-law, I guess, has realized there's no point in doing it now when no one hears it anymore. And Dan can't afford to move his family out on his salary alone anytime soon. If they end up expecting another child in the next few years, I won't be surprised. Things have mellowed down for me since then, and I've even invited friends over for a poker night. I suck at poker because I can never remember a dang thing about it, but so what? We get to drink beer and eat junk food while being merry idiots. We all loaded up on whoppers from Burger King and just had at it the best way four grown men can when they just want to have a good, unadulterated time and get drunk. I think maybe around summer, I'll look into possibly dating someone. I'm not exactly getting younger here. Fingers crossed that goes well. My camper just sits idle in my yard now, and I admit there were some days I went out there just to spend time in it. I did live in it for two years. It's like my second home, and maybe one day I'll actually get to use it for camping like it was meant to be. I've never been camping. My parents considered it a waste of time, so it would be a completely new experience for me. This pretty much marks the end of what happened. My parents, brother, and sister-in-law have all been staying very clear of me. In fact, they seem to have gone back to acting like I don't exist, like they did before I bought a house. Not like that bothers me at all. It's better that way. 
but they'll inevitably come back in some way. I know they will. I just wonder what kind of stupid thing they'll do next. If anything notable like all this ever happens again, I'll make another post if this account is still active. And there we go then. That is the conclusion of one of the most compelling entitled parent stories that I've seen on this subreddit in a long time. That was great from start to end. And I actually feel like one day I'll make it into an episode of its own. Gotta say, OP, fair play to you. Fair play to your extended family. You absolutely cannot pick who you're born to. But the fact is, you seem to have now come through your entire adolescence, your youth, and just survived, if anything. And now, Finally, your extended family have actually realized the way these people who are our very close family Siblings even at parts of this, you know daughters parents, etc Are actually just horrible people and we'd be a lot better off spending Christmas Day without them And that is what you did and it was great. What a surprise All I will say though is the ending is a little bit ominous because Opie says they'll inevitably come back in some way I know they will I'll make another post if that happens. So maybe one day we'll have part four honestly for your sake, OP, I hope not. For my sake and us watching, you know, give us some more entertainment. But no, seriously, oh, amazing to have got through all of this. Fair play to you, OP. And genuinely, I really hope that that is the end of their involvement. Well, their negative involvement, let's just say that, in your life. Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for a few of the very best entitled parent stories of the past few months. Really hope you enjoyed this one. If you did and you want more from me right away, well, check out the video and episode linked on screen and down below in the description. If you're new to the channel in any way, shape or form, drop a like, comment, subscribe, follow, do all those good things. And I'll see you very shortly with a brand new Reddit episode.